Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 89 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris. This is Chris. Hello. And this is our special guest today, TJ. Hello. This time, we read Blood of the Fold by Terry Goodkind, book three in the Sword of Truth series. We are back in the Midlands with Richard and Colin, Kalan, Kalen, however you want to say it, um, as well as TJ, who is our woods guide throughout these dumb and horny lands. <laughs> if you're interested to know more about Terry Goodkind's Sort of True series, you can check out episodes 3 and 22 of The Terrible Book Club, where we reviewed Wizard's First Rule and Stone of Tears, respectively. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, what we do here at The Terrible Book Club is we read books that we assume will be bad, and this is based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of those three things. So we do the opposite of what most people do when they're in a bookstore or browsing through titles on Amazon. Usually this experiment results in a disappointing read, but once in a while we actually end up liking the book. Uh, today, for content warnings, we have our usual barnyard language, plus sex! Oh man, the series is horny yeah. as fuck! Plenty um, of that. Yep, uh, we got body shaming, ageism, torture, violence, and sexual assault, our annoying friend who just won't leave the content warning party. Um... <laughs> Paris, before you read the summary of the book, how many in episodes in a row have we done Ugh. with that in the warning re recently? I mean, if, I don't know, but if you go by percentage, it's a it's a majority. <laughs> yeah, it's whew, woof. Y'all do a lot of fantasy, right? Like, it's a, I feel like that happens so much in fantasy. It does, but <laughs> a lot of our output isn't. I would say like that you do like I don't know, like ten to fifteen percent fantasy books, and the the rest is just it. It keeps showing up. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll we'll talk about that as we get into the content of the episode. Um, so the summary for Blood of the Fold is thus: Richard Rawl and Colin Kalan Kalen Amnell stand against the forces that besiege the New World. Forces so terrible that when they last threatened, the wizards of long ago sealed off the old world from the new. Now that barrier has been breached. The fanatical blood of the fold, sworn enemies of magic, roam the new world, unwitting pawns of the sorcerous evil at the heart of the old. To save the world, Richard and Colin, Kalan, Kalen, <laughs> must become one with the power of their love and their truth capitalized. Truth is capitalized. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess let's just settle this right at the start, because this is already an issue. Yeah. <laughs> How I ruined Paris. <laughs> okay, Colin, Kalen, or Colin? 
Well, TJ is the authority on the matter, so I will default to his pronunciation. Uh, TJ, what is your preferred pronunciation for our main female lead here? <laughs> I just like Kaylin because the other ones sound too close to the male name Colin. Okay, so, Kaylin it is. Kaylin. All right, going, we got that's it. We're getting established right at the outset. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Chris, you want to go over our, our characters and setting? Yeah, why not? I mean, um, we're going to meet some new folks in here, but we've got the main crew to start us off, which is, you know, Richard, Kalen, Zed, Gratch, Addie, and um, yeah, that's pretty much the, the core group you of mm-hmm. protagonists, right? They yeah. It's any, like... Verna. Sure. I, yeah, <laughs> she's a major focus in this book, but I don't know if, uh, you know, in previous books, she probably didn't have quite as much of a role there. Yeah, she was called um, the boring chapters in this one. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, we've got oh, TJ, we're gonna fight. We're gonna fight. <laughs> All right, uh, Chris. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so we've got Sister Verna taking a major role amongst all because we we haven't left fuck school. It's still we're a prominent. <laughs> oh, we're setting still here. we're still spending still you know spending some semesters in fuck school. There's um, a crew of sisters of the dark named Ulyssia, Marissa, Armina, Tovi, Cecilia, and Nikki who pop in and out here sometimes. We've got um, Tobias Brogan and Lunetta of the Blood of the Fold, which we'll have plenty to talk about. Jagang, the Emperor. What a name there. <laughs> um, then we've got um, a cadre of uh, Mord Sith uh, that pop up as Richard's bodyguards, Burdine, Holly, and Reyna, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, oh. Yeah, wait. Holly, is that? Yeah, she's she, the one who dies. Well, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right, right. So like, wait, that's why you don't remember her then... because she's there to die quickly. <laughs> no, so it's Burdine, Kara, and Reyna. Yeah, they all have red uniforms, but she's the red uniform of the red right. uniforms. Yeah. Um, we also <laughs> have then... War, Warren the Prophet, Prelate, Annalena, and Nathan. Yeah, and then we've got various Daharan soldiers, which really unimportant, honestly. There's a couple that are named, doesn't really matter. And then we've got the various uh, magical creatures, like, you know, I don't know if you want to call them characters, but they do speak. There's some Riz with from the last book, those invisible lizard type of people there. They're popping up again. Um, and yeah, I think that's the whole ensemble dramatique. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh all right, so again, if you're not familiar just... with this fantasy world and you actually care, you can go back to episodes 3 and 22. TJ was also our guest guide on episode 22. Uh, if you don't give a shit, though, let's uh, let's head on out. Let's go. All right, so first things first, Paris. How hot is each sister of the dark? We need to get down to business <laughs> immediately. Yeah, yeah. Because that's you what know, Terry that's... decides to do. <laughs> That's how you open a book, right? You start ranking the hotness of of some nude accessory female characters. That's how you start okay. a book. That's how they teach the, you. <laughs> let's set the scene here. There's six naked women in a ship hold <laughs> who are cold and frightened. Sorry. It seems like they're frightened, but turns out they're not because they're they, the ones that bought the ship and they're just naked and freezing in a ship hold it's very well, much no, written as if they're prisoners they're 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 frightened and feeling imprisoned because of jagong who is in their dreams but no they are not physically imprisoned that's sort of terry's little writing twist up at the st- up at the top here right is like I, I will say that there that's one decent move there that he did terry 
I will just say this outright. Terry has the potential to have some good writing here and there. Oh, yeah, for sure. He occasionally touches on, like, interesting things. Like, it's kind of interesting in the start when they're talking about Jagang, like, in their dreams. And they're like, oh, the keeper of the underworld is, like, saying we have to follow this guy now. So we'll do it for now. And that's why they're so scared. But they're also, like, kind of above it all. Like, oh, this is just a man. We don't care about him. But, you know, they're still terrified for whatever reason. Um, yeah, and these and these women are talking about it's uh, sisters Alicia, Marissa, Armina, Tovi, Cecilia, and Nikki, who are the the sisters of the dark from the previous book, who kind of defected um, to serve ostensibly Satan in this universe. The the and what what the fu- sorry you just they call him the keeper the keeper. Thank you <laughs> for some reason. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, we, so you can't score a goal. That's the important thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, I don't. But yeah, like Chris, Chris made this point. It's like I don't understand why they're all sleeping naked just on basic ass mattresses in a ship that they rented. It's oh, kind of weird. I know. Um, it's oh. it's so uh, Terry Goodkind can detail describe their naked bodies. Oh uh, yeah, wake but... up sweating from this. <laughs> Sorry, dream. I meant I meant I was searching for a real a reason pl- in the oh. text. <laughs> yeah. A plot no, reason. but that's the real yeah. reason, Paris. <laughs> like Terry, like I, I noticed immediately that Terry hates like old fat women so much that he had to make up a bunch of fictional ones just to mock their bodies. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, sure <laughs> like, did. Okay, um, that's just how this starts, and I was immediately annoyed. Uh, it was just fuck, man. Like, why? Why we got to do this? And they're not even one that his... old. It's like one of them's forty, and he's like yeah. this oh, old withered is... creature. <laughs> <laughs> One of the lines is uh, not as old as the other two women, but still attractive. It's like, okay, man. Some barbershop tra- talk. Anyway, oh, they're all, God. yeah. <laughs> Ugh. They're all up on, on in the boat, and then you're like, oh, they're naked. They must be in prison. No, they're just hang- sleeping together that way because, I don't know, Terry had his pants down when he was writing this first chapter immediately. <laughs> okay, does Terry, step is Terry out, a good kind ever not jerking off while writing this series? I think he's I'd just lightly need... rubbing it. But... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like there's a halfy at all times, right? The kind, like, the can kind we you could just... get away with on the train. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, they come out of the hold naked because that's what hot ladies do, right? As they just walk in, then some sailors look at them, and then they're murdered for looking at the naked <laughs> women that stepped out onto their ship deck because they're evil naked women. You see? Yes. And, and that's the end of the women. chapter, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it, it starts off in a, on a real weird foot. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then we switch back to Richard and Gratch. And <laughs> we were just talking about how Gratch is a weird thing in this series. I kind of like him. Yeah, they I justified it at the end. Like, I thought yeah. that, like at least they kind of did. But uh, with, the, with the ladies up top, I, like, just... Sorry to plot summarize, but basically all that happens, they come out, they yell at the guys for looking at them, even though they're naked. And then they basically say, like, turn this ship around to go towards the guy that had them terrified in their dreams. So, yeah, even nothing though they were, makes sense in that. First yeah, they chapter. were. I know they were initially going the opposite way. And then they're suddenly like, no, we have to go back. And it's OK. What was even the point of this chapter? I don't know. Um, Gratch. No, Gratch is weird because. He's kind of, I kind of wish he was accorded more of a human role and more personhood because he's clearly got high levels of sentience. Like, he understands human language and intention. And 
I, I don't know. I just, I don't know how I feel about the weird uh, kind of role that he has. It's sort of strange. I, I don't know. And Have Gr- you mentioned a- yet that he's like a big furry beast monster that can fly? No, I was just well, going to say, yeah, episode. we should probably mention, we should probably mention <laughs> yeah. what this is. Gratch he's is a, a, he's a gar. Yeah. Which is, I don't even know if there's a, uh, I'm going to see if there's like a image on the internet. Yeah, he's like a gargoyle. That's why, that's Paris. It's it's just gargoyle with the goyle chopped off. Wow. I feel really stupid for not realizing that. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. Is it not really? That? Are no. you serious? Did you guys not pick that up? No. <laughs> no. Wait, but what about the blood flies? That's like extra gross. Sure, that's just his spin on gargoyles. Yeah, he has to add something oh, different. Oh, but gar- <laughs> oh man, I didn't get that at all. Hey, I didn't either, and I've read this since I was like eleven. So uh, <laughs> it's a gargoyle. <laughs> all right, but I think Paris. I think the problem you have is like his speech pattern, which make him seem stupid. Let's say, but he can follow directions. But then he does the whole Gratch Lug. How do you say this? Please, Gratch everyone, give lug me. Gratch Lug Rickard. Gratch Lug Rickard is kind of how the text reads. Just like swallow each word at the end. Um. Anyway, he's a big sentient puppy for Richard to command to do hard things, and he can also see Marizwith, which have been attacking um, the. Where, 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 He's back at where's Richard again? Uh, Aiden he's at the Drill, right? The Confessor's Palace. The Confessor's Palace in Aiden Drill. Yeah, and so some Rizwith have been showing up, and they're invisible reptiles. But Richard is pretty good against them because he can just sense them, which is the beginning of my major problem with Richard in general, and of course still in this book, which is just that Richard can do it because he's protagonist and always correct and he he will always be okay. It doesn't matter if there's any invisible creatures here because he can just sense them. So any danger from them is nullified against Richard because of his, I don't know, lizard smell abilities. Yeah. He's like Goku and Jesus rolled up into one. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and then, and then it's, you know, <clears throat> first it's like, well, Richard is the only person who can sense them and then come to find out Oh no, Gars can just see them. Like, all Gars can just see Merswith, and somehow nobody else has figured this out yet. Um, they don't interact, because they're. I think they're, like, in very different areas of the world at this point. But that... that mm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so I've got to stop justifying the bad writing no, by, like, no, 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 knowing it's the not, writing from later. <laughs> no, it's not, um, it's not necessarily bad writing. I just... Ah, yeah, I guess I do feel like it's, it's kind of lazy to to be like, oh, Richard's best friend and protector can also see them now. Oh, by the way, his entire uh, species can see them, so... His entire this... species was specifically created to see them, we find out right. at the end of the book. Yeah, like, like, and so... That's not justification, so, Terry. So to me, yeah, that's, it's super That's every lazy. problem in this book. Yes, yeah. exactly. And there's no... They don't have to work for any real solutions. Things are, like, it's just like, oh... Good thing those wizards from thousands of years ago already took care of this for us. I mean, the the whole reason we're on Gratch here is because uh, there's like a Marizwith encounter with Richard and Gratch that he's basically they get out of it mostly unscathed. I don't think Richard even takes a wound. In, uh, he might yeah, get scratched a little bit, but he's fine so. after all that. And then he sends 
I don't think he sends Gratch off at this point. That's a little bit later, but you're just getting the feel for Gratch and Richard's relationship established so that he Gar, uh, Gratch can be sent off to do a long-form errand later on. Um, Chris, I'm just going to jump to your question for me about Merswith, if you would like to ask me. <laughs> sure. I would, so this is a little bit out of context for TJ since he hasn't read Malazan. Um, as he told us uh, a little bit off air before, he's only ever read this book series is what he claims. So <laughs> a few others, but I'll yeah. Stay <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, in Malazan, they also have uh, lizard creatures called the Kachain Shamal, which are basically raptors with knives for hands. And I wanted to ask Paris, what's cooler, Mrizwith or Kachain Shamal? Uh, as much as I love Malazan, Kachain Shamal always seemed kind of dumb um i love me some swords and lizards are fine but why do we have to give the lizard sword arms why is this a thing why do we got to combine lizards and sharp stuff it's it's almost like you got like a, a preteen in a mall and he walks by the pet store and he's like yeah lizards and he walks by you know the sketchy weapon store and he's like yeah swords he's like, oh man what if i put those together <laughs> like that's the origin of all fantasy author, like U.S. male fantasy authors in the last couple decades. Um, I like I I remember reading uh, Malazan and, and reading about the Kachain Shamal and being like, "You've got to be fucking kidding me! They're lizards with swords for arms. That's so stupid." <laughs> I just it, I did not so, like that. Uh, Paris, what you're saying but, is Terry Goodkind makes better magical creatures than Steven Erickson. No, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> give you my ruling about which is better. Oh, I thought I thought that's where we were headed. I assumed. I'm sorry. No, the um, I mean the Merswither are, are just like kind of your garden variety lizard person, you know. With they turn invisible. With they have capes <laughs> that make them invisible, right? Ooh, I yeah, I think that I don't know if it. That's a good question. Rich, I don't know if it's the Richard, cape. Yeah, because yeah, Richard has the cape. The cape that oh, you mean there's some unexplained magic happening in sort of truth heavens? And it couldn't uh, be yeah, yeah, oh no. Um, I mean, and they have... So Merswith are kind of your standard lizard folk if you've ever played a fantasy game or D&D. And they've got, you know, uh, clearly got a language. They've got uh, these, these weapons kind of like... Imagine Wolverine claws, you know, that they kind of... But obviously, they're not in their flesh. They're weapons that they slip their hands into. I'm the sure Pantera. they have a name. Pantera. What? What? Pantera. Are you serious? Yes. Is what that really what Pantera they're called? Was? Yes, it's I Pantera. thought it was just a stupid Southerner name. Like, I didn't... I thought it was just dumb. <laughs> I what? Wait, what's a Pantera, Chris? Like, when you have a three-clawed weapon that you grab in your hand and slash oh, well, with, like Wolverine. There's like called a Yabri. So. Yeah. In, yeah in, this, I... in this series, it's a Yabri, but in real life, it's called a Pantera. Hmm. Oh, my God. Get your pull. I've, like, blown your guys' minds twice this episode. <laughs> wow. So I feel so Be prepared so for dumb. further revelations. <laughs> I had no idea. I thought, I thought that was just a... Wow. Wow. Okay. Moving on. It is I, the um, first wizard, Chrysicus. <laughs> Chris, Chrysicus Musiker. Um, okay. okay. Chapter All right. four. So, uh, sorry. Yeah, continue, so, no, no, no. so we're, talking, we're talking, still talking about Merswith. Um, so, anyway, they're lizard folk. They have these. But which uh, one's cooler, Pass Quick. Which one's cooler? The Kachain Chamal. Okay. It's problem the solved. Chamal. Okay. Continuing yeah. with the story. But, uh, okay. 
anyway, fine. We can move on from the from the. Well, basically, Gratch and Riz- Richard just like they dispatch a bunch of Mriswith and they impress like this cook lady who was scared of Gratch before, but now she knows he's good because you just saw him rip apart a bunch of creatures, and that makes her want to hug him for some reason. It's like okay. That's yeah. that's the book we're reading. All right, on to chapter four. Ooh, religious yeah. zealots. <laughs> and then the next, yeah, and then next we're introduced to Tobias Brogan and his sister Lunetta. Brogan is the leader of the Blood of the Fold, who are this, like, I don't know, anti-magic military force, um, if, if that makes sense. Uh, and they are part of the Im. Imperial order is that right? Not yet. No, they, 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 they've heard good things, but they aren't part of them yet. Oh, I thought they, they, were. they were under some other king that they dispatched because they decided he was magical leaning. Yeah. So they were originally under this one. Yeah, that they were under that king, and they <laughs> killed him because he was magic flavored for whatever reason, and they broke off to form their own band of magic killers. Hmm. I don't. Okay. They've been around you know, forever. When, yeah. Well, see, when TJ saw that we were reading this book finally, he pointed to the title of the book, Blood of the Fold, and he, you know, said something that didn't turn out to be true in the course of this from what I understood from reading it, but it was completely sellable to me knowing Terry Goodkinds. Basically, I, I was trying to figure out what is the Blood of the Fold, and I immediately landed on menstrual blood? Yeah, I had the same thought. I was like, oh, was this going to be some book about, like, magical menstrual blood? I could see that happening, but luckily it's not. Which makes so much more sense than what they actually are. Like, I don't know the reason for that name. I just know they've been around forever because AD was like, that's why she was blind and can't talk because the blood of the fold poured, like, molten iron down her throat or whatever. So Wait, they've been around what? for at least a while. I yeah, don't remember AD's learning story. that. Yeah, really? you shouldn't. It's dumb. But, uh, but, she, but, she, but she can talk just fine. Yeah, she uses her magic to, like, heal her throat. But, like, when she was being tortured, oh. they, like, brought in her boyfriend. It's like, well, she could say anything right now and you'd be free. But she can't because they poured iron down her throat. And it's like, uh. yeah, she healed herself. That's why they talk about her talking with the rasp. It sounds like, you know, gravel going down her throat. It's because they burned oh, her. So. I, That's okay. how I know they're around. <laughs> I knew that she, yeah, I mean, I knew that she had dealt with them before. I just didn't remember that detail, so thank you. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. Bye. So, yeah, so we're, we're introduced to Tobias Brogan and his sister. And this is, I'm going to go on a rant about the depiction of evil in literature. So come along with me, friends. Um, so you're immediately supposed to know this is big, bad, evil guy, right? And so to demonstrate that, they're like, hey, he cuts off nipples and lets his friend rape people. And you're like, oh, all right. <laughs> and for me, I just, again, so obviously representation is an endorsement. And like, of course, you have to have bad characters. But can we get more creative villains or at least descriptions of heinous acts that aren't voyeuristic and shallow? Because that's how they are in this in this series. Like, personally, I'd rather be way deeper into the kind of the perpetrator, like who they are and how they came to be um, way deeper into the mind of the victim than reading something as simple as, and then he cuts her nipple off and his friend rapes her. Like, it's just cartoonish and it makes it feel less as though you should be thinking, oh, fuck, the world is awful people born of awful circumstance. Let me me sit with this and, and think about it. And it ends up being more like, 
bad guy in fantasy book. Bad. Good thing I can't relate to this at all and can just keep reading, which serves no one. And for me, like, a villain is much more compelling and alive, as is the book in which that villain appears, when you can find yourself agreeing with them sometimes or, or understanding how their psychosis has evolved. And and this, the Terry's villains are so fucking shallow. God, they're, like I said, so shallow, so cartoonishly evil. It drives me nuts. Okay. Dark no. and Raw is like comparatively like mildly nuanced compared to every other villain that he does. Like the friend you keep talking about, like he explicitly states, I prefer rape to having consensual sex. Like, <laughs> yeah. Brogan is like, I can have my sister cast a spell. So she, you know, she doesn't put up a fight, which is also awful. But like the guy literally says, well, what fun would that be? It's like this, that's not a person. I don't, what person is that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and of course there are horrible monsters in reality, but there's complexity to how those people came to be and how they operate. It's not really, yeah, it's, it's unconvincing and it comes off as, like I said, just voyeuristic and shallow. Like that, that whole rape scene and torture scene at the beginning is it's just, fuck man. Terry. That's the I, kind of guy where you're like. Even if it's like a group of friends that are all rapists, if a guy says that, like, hey, man, what's going on with you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> even amongst us rapists. We're all in jail. We all know what we did. but <laughs> Well, I mean, to be honest, yeah. Like, I know this is, you know, a hard thing to talk about, but um, I think Chris and I have talked about it a lot on this show because we, as we said yeah. at the beginning, we so often have to deal with sexual assault in media. Um I just think that there's a way to portray it that is um, more nuanced and more interesting, even if it's difficult to read. And this is not it. It's not it. This is the bad way to go about it, because then you start... I'm actually... I'm trying to think of... Does Terry... Has he written a villain that does not rape? No, they all rape. Oh. Yeah, they all do, don't they? (laughs) Well, and this is why I feel like... This kind of a system super sucks because it's all forcible. God, I, I'm so I'm really sorry for saying this, but it's all like forcible male on female penetrative rape, right? Like, and I, I fucking hate. I'm sorry that I even had to say that, but like that is all that Terry's villains do. It's kind of all he focuses on. I think the only example. Where that's reversed is when Richard is being tortured by the uh, latex Mordsith. ladies. Mordson, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I was um, gonna say that's like a good. That's like comparatively, it like makes you think he might do something interesting with his rapes in the future, because <laughs> it's like pretty much an extended thing of her just repeatedly raping Richard. If you like, I, I, if you want to call it. This that, has been a know. rough couple minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I, I'm just trying. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to but, get away from this. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, but yeah, to say to. Again, yeah, so in the first book, uh, the main character is raped and tortured by a woman. Um, but after that, I just want to say, Richard never deals with that trauma. Never does. It's like, he's just done with it after it happens. Well, he, and he does like a man and he pushes it down. That's exactly, the, yeah. yeah. He comes and, back to his thoughts. He's like, nope, pushing that down, pushing it down. Yeah. Pushing whereas, it down. whereas all, I feel like all women who are abused in this series... I mean, do they all, they all die, are enslaved forever, and destroyed? Is that kind of right? 
Some of them okay. survive and move on. There's, I mean, there's also like it depends on at what point because like Kaylin was oh, yeah. attempted to have been assaulted many times, but her being the main female character, I guess you have to keep her untouched for whatever reason. Yeah. With I can't. So ruin even like her stuff like, like yeah, like even Ugh. stuff like that, it just reveals that very like <laughs> black and white way of seeing everything. Everything in sort of truth is very clearly black and white. Evil or good, pure or, you know, unpure. But, yeah, and also just the idea that, yeah, he can't let um, Kaylin be, uh, you know, oh God, fuck, I'm sorry, but he can't let her really, quote unquote, really get raped because then, as TJ said, yeah, it would ruin her as a protagonist, which is a fucked up way to think. Jesus Christ, I can't believe... Oh, sorry. And I know we've been talking about this for like 10 minutes, but it's just it really drives me nuts that all so many books, especially fantasy books, have these um, these kind of thoughts about. Yeah, about purity and sexual assault and things like that. What's funny is like later in the book too, like Kaylin forgives Richard for sleeping with another woman, which he didn't do. So it's like not only does she have to be pure, but she has to like forgive him for any perceived potential infidelity. Yeah. Like, she gives him a hall pass, sort of. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. yeah, another great example of just the gross thinking that seeps out of the pages of this book whenever anything horny is brought up. And horny is brought up all the time. Oh, so yeah, it's, speaking it's, of... Oh. I know we've been sticking on this for, like, the past five to seven minutes, but it's just so woven into the fabric of Sword of Truth that it, you can't not talk about it for at least 15 minutes. So prepare for more of this to come up, everyone. Yeah, so, um, so so the fuck school is back. Um, if you weren't Speaking here of for what episode problematic horniness. Yeah, if you weren't here for episode twenty-two, fuck school is the uh, the palace of the prophets, uh, managed by the sisters of the light. It is in its own little time bubble where time moves much more slowly. Uh, so people that live at the Palace of the Prophets age very, very slowly and live for hundreds or thousands of years? Hundreds? Uh, yeah. Hundreds of years. Um, and, uh, we're back there a little bit to see Verna a little more. But, um, yeah, the fuck school is just... <laughs> Man, so the whole idea of fuck school, the reason we keep calling it that, is there. The idea is that these Sisters of the Light train wizards so all wizards are male and the sisters of the light are magical but they're not confessors they have different powers they're just like female wizards basically um they train wizards by collaring them and fucking them <laughs> basically um and Their you see is like like uh wizards at a certain point got so greedy with their power that they refused to teach young wizards so they the sisters of the light like well we'll take up the mantle and train these young wizards but twist females can't teach males like they don't know how to do it they just suck for whatever reason right. so they have to have this place where time moves slow because it takes these dumb broads decades and centuries just to teach one wizard how to like make a thing of fire so that's their and that and they fuck them because they want more wizards like well that's how we reproduce people with the gift they also fuck them because you see young men have to have the focus fucked into them because you see they can't focus if their dick is not being fucked all the time they can't control their urges as stated nope. like dozens of oh times my god in this one book. <laughs> oh I, yeah I remember this is from 1996 so whenever i saw shit like that i was like 
it was a different time and I just turned the page. <laughs> I couldn't I, do yeah, anything but I, else. I don't, I don't know, man. It's still pretty inexcusable. No, to me. it is. Like, absolutely. The whole, the whole, and, and again, we've talked about how this book, uh, yeah, the series is, is not really kind to anyone in terms, if we're talking binary genders here, because in, in the Sword of Truth series, there is nothing else, let me tell there you. Aren't there aren't even is... non-white people. In no. This yeah. There's literally um, not a single non-white person in the entirety of this book series. So, like, n- gender binary, woof. <laughs> oof, yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, if, if the book is not kind to men or women, uh, women have, God, yeah. I'm an poor... equal opportunity offender. Hey. Oh, basically. <laughs> Um, God, sorry, I, I lost. <laughs> I lost my point uh, that I was. Oh, right, the whole men can't control their urges thing. That's fucking bullshit. Like, can we, can we not do that? Can we not? Can we not? No, can because... we not encourage that in readers, please? Like, <laughs> every honestly, everything in Terry Goodkind's world is extremely binary because we've got the good and bad, pure and unpure, male and female, with how like the 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 magic works because you've got additive and subtractive. One gender can use one, and another gender can use the other. Unless you're a man who's a war wizard who can use both nah, because you're a special works, man. Chris, that's not really not. Me. Oh shit, I got that <laughs> no. wrong. Uh, for uh, yeah, for thousands of years, people were born with additive and subtractive magic, and at a certain point, subtractive started dying, and eventually they just didn't have it anymore. The Sisters of the Dark have subtractive magic because they get raped in the forest by that demon creature. Oh right, and, of course. Um, oh right. Uh, and oh. Richard has it just because he's a very special boy. Of course. How could I forget? Okay. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, getting that bit of lore story. Well, I just wanted to have a little point about how everything is binary. It's very binary. It just is not so binary that it's like the broads only have the minus stuff because they just take from you. Hey. (laughs) That's how I thought it was for the the whole (laughs) read. I know. It it did really seem like that. Uh, You need to be minorly fair to this. (laughs) Okay. Fair. Minorly. And to be to be clear, I think we all find binary things pretty boring, uh, and that's why it's not good for us. I mean, for me anyway. I just no, it's, I it's, don't. It's very dumb. Yeah, I don't find it very boring. Uh, I, I or rather, I do find it very boring. I'm sorry, I can't talk today. All right, where the fuck are we in the story? We were Power back in fuck prophet. school because yeah, because Sister Werner basically Sister Werner gets named prelate by. A magic deus ex machina thing, which is just how every problem slash plot point starts in this series. Turns out the last prelate, Annalena, left a ring that if you can put the ring on, or was it you to touch it or something? The sword, it was the sword, the stone kind of a sh- thing, except yeah, it was the ring forget, on the I pedestal. Read this, I read this book like two months ago, guys, so it was magically, I'm a little fuzzy. It was- yeah. It was magically I just protected. It five minutes before this started. <laughs> oh wow, fresh! TJ just got done folding blood. He's his yeah. hands are still covered. Um, yeah, Verna gets picked as new prelate because Annalena left a magic ring on a pedestal that chooses the new prelate. And then she, it, it, there's like two or three chapters of her just doing like admin work where she's yeah. swamped by all the paperwork and she doesn't know how to delegate. And that's a big problem. That's her major conflict for a couple chapters with Verna. Yeah, I mean, my whole thing was like, Verna, come on. We all need like a CFO or a COO to sign off on shit so you can just do what you need to be do. I said, you've been alive long enough to know this. Deputize someone else to do this shit. 
She figures it out like halfway through the book and it's a huge revelation to her that she can delegate because, hey, turns out the previous prelate isn't, wasn't really dead. She faked her own death and she's sending messages through a journey book. And that, that the former prelate is just, hey, just get someone else to do that. What are you, why are you doing it? Just do have it someone else. You have so many underlings. Verna, why? Yeah, yeah I, I don't really understand why that was a revelation that needed to and happen even, it seemed and like even then she time. like uses reverse psychology to convince her like subordinates to do the work she's like well I, the other ladies i don't know it kind of sound like they thought you were a bunch of dummies and couldn't even handle it and then they just jump to do the work it's like why don't you just order them to do it just tell them just be like do the fucking work because i'm your boss yeah i know i don't i don't get it either it's like what the fuck it's really um, weird that's why we're back at fuck school anyways, because Verna is in her new prelate position. She's finding it very tough to handle. And there's uh, it's just a way to hold her in place at the Palace of the Prophets for a bit. Right. That's. Yeah. And Verna and Verna was. Oh, and Verna was important in the last book because she was the one who was sent from the palace to find Richard to bring him to the fuck palace. Uh, and she and Richard actually have a good relationship. Honestly, so TJ, I said we were going to fight before we started recording because TJ mentioned that the Verna chapters were all boring, whereas I was like, can we just get a book that was all the Verna chapters? Because I was way more invested in that. I was way more invested in Verna becoming the prelate and trying to, like, figure out who the Sisters of the Dark were and, like, all the intrigue and trying to save Warren and figure but out she the prophecies. Doesn't. She doesn't do any of that. <laughs> she doesn't. Like, if she did yeah. any of those things, then I, I could be invested, too. But, like, to me, she's, I when I see Verna in my mind, I just see the meanest teacher from my Christian high school, and she's constantly talking about the creator. And it's like, I know your heart's in the right place, but I just don't care. I'm sorry. And then, <laughs> like, other than her romance with Warren, like, <laughs> that's kind of oh, but- Oh, but can we talk about how how Verna and Warren, oh, they can't possibly be together because you see, Verna left the Palace of the Prophets for 20 years, so she aged 20 years, and now she looks like she's 40. So she's an old, worn-out hag. She can't possibly date Warren, who looks like he's 20. And it's well, a big... Well, he thinks that. To be fair, it's, a, it's like mildly, like nice because he's like well i think you're beautiful it's like terry being like this guy's fucking nuts to me but i guess he likes this girl (laughs) well no but but that that doesn't even happen until the very very end throughout the whole book there there's talk about you know verna being like well i guess we can't date because i'm old and ugly (laughs) the age and then yeah (laughs) and then they mention that she's only 40 and i'm like what i'm like that's not old what are you talking they're both 150 yeah but really they're like both over 150, 200 years old, where like the the time ratios are going to be a little more forgiving there, guys. Despite right. how you physically aged, 130 to 200 years of experience. Maybe you know who? What do I know? Maybe there is a vast <laughs> difference between a 200 year old and a 130 year old. You haven't seen enough shit yet. You've only lived one and a half centuries. You unlock yeah. a secret hole at 45. <laughs> you, get an extra, you get an extra brain at 200 years old, turns out. Yeah, I mean, I, I just felt like, you know, if, we're, if you're both in your hundreds, like, what does it really matter at that point? Uh, no, they're anyway. both, like, literally 150. I think 150-something. Uh, old? No. Th- oh, is that right? I thought they were older yeah, than Warren that. says anyway. to Richard, when Richard realizes that there's a time spell that he somehow doesn't get for a whole book, 
in book two. He's like, ha ha, Richard, you called me a young man. I'm 150 years old. And Richard's like, uh, oh, fuck, I won't get to fuck Kaylin because I'll be so old. Well, oh, she'll be no. so old. Oh, no, I have to destroy this whole palace. <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> she'll be old. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> oh, God. Um... Yeah, and so, uh, but I, but I liked the Werner chapters more because there was just, there was just so they were just so sexless and wonderful. Can yeah, I? Yeah, there wasn't as much rape. Yeah, for the lack no of one, rape. There's no, there's no sexy stuff. There's no, there's none of that. It's just a, it's just a solid mystery. I was into the mystery That's chapters. It. You, yeah, I wanted no you. mystery. <laughs> She well, doesn't solve a mystery. Well, she doesn't. But the, know, there is here's know, the. But... I think I know why Paris. I know why you like these chapters more than the rest of the book, and it's my central problem with the whole entire book, which <laughs> is that in the Verna chapters, there's a consistent conflict and mystery that is a through line through all of them. Whereas in the Richard stuff, or even the Kalen stuff, problems will pop up in a chapter and be solved. It tops a chapter two later, so then the next chapter has to be a completely different problem that also gets solved by magical deus ex machina. Whereas with Verna, it's just a normal old, let's root out the Sisters of the Dark and try to figure out how to delegate tasks, which is her... It just keeps going that way, so there's okay. an actual through well, line. I think, I think you're right. I think that's a good point. Um, so, so the points are, it's a through line, it's a mystery, it's not sexy. Um, and I think also I just like Verna more as a character... Um, then Richard... she's a good person. Nobody else in the book really is a, ever a good person. <laughs> like, yeah, Richard I mean, thinks he's good, but he just yeah. has good intentions. He does not care about the consequences of his actions. Uh, I wanted to get back to Iden drill for if, if we're done with the palace, but like, if you want to go palace more, yeah. So quick. if we, if basically Terry, if we could get um, I'm gonna put my my put my order in for like. I don't know, Nancy Drew, but it's Verna. Like, can I just get some of that? I mean, That'd be, he, be good. He wrote a Nikki spinoff, so, I mean, it's like he's still doing that, so. Oh, my like, God, he's still doing this? I th- I'm, it's Until uh, not long ago. <laughs> he uh, just, once he finished the main sword of the he's like, well, what's Nikki up to? You know, the sexy blonde witch. And uh, then, like, let's see her kill some people. Wait, is she blonde? I thought she had black hair. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Uh, I couldn't tell them apart. I just yeah. They were yeah, all you keep the naming same off all six of the sisters, and I want Mambo number five to start playing. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little bit. Of Toby like, I don't know. I know one ship. of these people's names. I know these. Like, I know Nikki and Alicia and Marissa. Little bit of Marissa oh, cuts off took... my head. Little bit yeah. of Alicia. Now I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> I only know these names because I just read it today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, let's go back to Aiden's real per TJ's request cause, here. Cause, where... Yeah, because like, I, I think of like uh, different alternate titles for these books. Like, you know, I Sold You on Book Two. It's, just, it's Harry Potter Goes to Fuck School. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the first book, uh, based on the plot, could very easily be called The Man with the Magic Penis. Um, <laughs> and this book, I struggled to figure out a name for it until a few chapters in. It's uh, Mr. Richard Goes to Washington. Yeah. <laughs> what Richard fucking does is just bullshit politics stuff. Like, it was bad. At the end of the last book, he shows up and finds that the Council of the Midlands and Aiden Drill had put sentence Kaylin, the mother confessor, to death. And he just murks all of them at once with his wizard powers that only work when he's really pissed or really horny. And... 
So this book just starts with him trying to find his men, you know, all like he's, he's the master of Dahara, but he doesn't want to embrace that role. But now he kind of has to. It's complicated, but not really, because nothing in these books is complicated. But basically what happens in Aiden Drill is he tells everyone in the city all these like dignitaries and like duchesses and all this shit. That's like, hey, you have to su- surrender to me and Dahara or we'll just fuck up your shit forever. Yeah, he basically he he says kind of in the same breath. He says, "Hey everyone, we need to protect ourselves from having a tyrannical soul rule under the imperial order and by and and we're going to do that by all coming under my tyrannical rule uh as the as the lord of Dahara and it's just Yeah, he says, "Hey, don't let that other guy rule you. Let me rule you because it's definitely going to be better." So he tries to get all of the countries of the Midlands to um, join Dahara, and that's a pretty big ask, considering considering no one knows who the fuck he is. Um, I mean, some his own people, men don't know who he is. Like, yeah, he has to do like, a bunch of magic tricks just to convince his own men to like join him, which like. He uses the Mariswith cloak to, like, appear from invisibility, and the general <laughs> just laughs at him. Yeah, yeah and, like, big doesn't move. give a shit. That was and, like, I thought funny. that was great. I was like, I'm glad you undermined that stupid idea. I, I guess I was hoping that it wouldn't work out. Yeah, I agree. I was actually, I was kind of glad. But, yeah, so nobody knows who this dude is, and Dahara has kind of always been pretty antagonistic, I feel like. I mean, I know that the Midlands and Dahara and stuff were separated, right? Um, but... Dahara yeah, until like six months ago, right? But Dahara <laughs> and soldier, soldiers have done some some damage, and they're they've kind of always had like an evil, uh, maybe not purely evil reputation, but not a positive one. So marching in and saying, "Hey, you need to follow me instead of the Imperial Order." I mean, to anyone in the Midlands, the Imperial Order and Dahara look the same, right? Like, I, I don't really understand. Oh, yeah, it, it just does not make sense that all these countries would agree to this yeah it, they're it, the main like problem in the whole like country like up until you know richard kills his dad and like i said that happened like three months ago so yeah, to everyone I, else I, they're like yeah so your 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 dad was an evil wizard and you're clearly a wizard why wouldn't we think you're also evil and why are yeah. you telling us what to do? You're not even from here. And also, it doesn't make sense on a Richard level because Richard isn't even from the Midlands. He's right. He, he, he spent as much time in the old world than he has in the middle. He was talking about it like, you know, when I was born in my good old holler, you know, we taught the good old values. It's like, you're not from here, dude. Like, <laughs> your dad isn't from here. You're not from here. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, I know. He's from Heartland, right? Which like, is Well, I bang your queen. You know, the main lady that you like? Yeah, well, that's my sex lady. That's, yeah, all, that's except... the only leg you have to stand on. That's the only well, leg no. he has to stand on. Well, yeah, and the other... Well, I'm I'm confused about the timing as well because... TJ, you were saying all of the events of the first, second, and third book happen in the span of, what, under a year? Yeah, it's definitely uh, like a year at most. And that blows my mind because I thought it was years because I thought that um, Richard was at the Palace of the Prophets for... A lot, a, wa- a much longer, I guess. I, I nah, mean, how- it was like a couple months. Yeah, he was insta pimp in the space of like two months, from what I remember. Because Wait, he's the only he... old guy. 
Yeah. Wait, but if he was there for a couple of months, wouldn't years have passed outside? No, it doesn't work like that. They live for like time passes the same regardless. They just don't age. So like oh, Verna would right. have been twenty five at right. one hundred fifty because she doesn't age. She still would have gone through three sixty five times one hundred fifty days. It's just, right. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. That was stupid. I don't know why you're confused about that. I have. I have not been. Paris, confused how could you be confused time. about the very well thought out magic rules in this series? <laughs> yeah. You you probably have issues because you keep trying to like ascribe more complicated things. It's like, no, it's additive and subtractive magic. Like Ugh. that's as complicated. As like you, the pluses or the minuses. That's it. There's only two kinds. Um, like, it's usually simple. So sorry. Anyway, I'm still blown away by the fact that all of this has happened in under the span of a year. And that that brings me to another point about this whole Richard trying to forcibly unite. I'm not even going to say unite. I'm going to say invade and claim the Midlands for Nahara. I mean, he he I can tell that he thinks he's doing a good thing by uniting the Midlands. But that's I can't imagine that's how any of these um countries would actually feel and also why does he think that it's a good idea to ask for this and then immediately tell them all about his tax scheme (laughs) oh yeah Uh, here we go some more brilliant political maneuvering from richard so welcome to another edition of paris gets really hung up on a detail yay Today, we're talking about taxes. Yeah, My taxes. My eyes glazed over for this entire section, so I won't have anything to contribute. Okay, <laughs> it's it's okay. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty quick. So I just have a few bullet points. Richard says, everyone that joins him in this united Midlands under Dahara thing, basically he says they're kind of giving up the Midlands and becoming Dahara. He says, all right, everyone who joins Dahara will pay the same tax he doesn't define it further, so I just hope that he at least means the same percentage of their GDP and not literally the same amount, but we no, don't know. No, he definitely means flat tax. He means the same amount, Paris. No, no, no. I no, mean, a flat, flat, tax a flat tax is a percentage. Amount, a flat tax oh. is a percentage. A flat tax is a percentage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so, like... Some countries argue for a flat tax due to its simplicity and its perceived overall fairness. However, a flat tax often can't raise as much in-state revenue as a progressive tax system with brackets like the U.S. has. Um, Weirdly, flat taxes can also be considered unfair because even if you're taxing two people at the same rate, say 10%, a higher earner will still have more buying power with their leftover funds. So... Taxes are hard. I'm not an economist or a politician. Uh, This is just a very quick rundown. Kind of hard to wrap your head around. Anyway, I don't know where Richard got this idea from. As he's been running around fighting and murdering for months, he hasn't been studying economics or politics. Where did this whole tax thing come from? Why are they talking about it? And wouldn't it be better for him to have simply asked them to join Dahara instead of, like... Also bringing up taxes. Sort out the tax shit later. Yeah, that first exactly. Ask, that first ask of taking over their whole fucking country is kind of big, right? Like, maybe maybe wait till later. Maybe sort out the taxes yeah, another uh, time. Really like, why is he even bringing this up? Like, your next sentence is, and if you don't, we'll come fuck your shit up. That's the part people are going to focus on, so why not just stick with that one? Like, tax yeah, code and- can come later. 
Yeah, it just seemed like such a strange thing to... And again, it's so because unrealistic. I, it's, I just don't get it. Because Richard is correct, so therefore this is the most correct way to govern. Uh, I don't. Did you mention the detail where the flat tax is only for military spending? <laughs> the oh, most just fuck. use... I oh, didn't God. see that. Oh shit! I'm sorry. I thought that I'd is the central everything. point. Like Richard sits sits up on that like in the council room where he's saying this to all the other countries, and he says, "I have the most fair system possible, and that fair system is a flat tax rate where the taxes only go towards the military for defense of the whole entire uh, empire." What? We can say here. I don't remember that deep shit, okay? I guess I must have fucked this up. Sorry, everyone. That's actually worse. Uh, <laughs> it is, because then you're thinking, like, what if there's a famine, Richard? What if, like, there, there's so many other things we could use a centralized resource pool for besides yeah, hey, just swords? Would, would be nice to have some roads, right? <laughs> well, no, it is the solution to everything. How about you have your grandpa make coins out of wooden coins? Like, he can do that. He can make wooden coins into gold. So, like, wait, why don't we just have wait, him do that? Wait, what? So, TJ, Zed's the Fed is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Who cares? This is stupid as shit anyway. Like, Zed's like, the Fed, I baby. Mean, Zed's when, the when Fed. When your genius and your Fed. magic works for you automatically, like Richard's does, like, I can see why you would jump to this and think it would work. <laughs> like, because yeah, because Richard just he always instantly has the problem solved, so therefore he must have the most just tax scheme. And this is probably honestly what Terry Goodkind thinks is the way that oh. is the most just for sure. Oh, Terry Goodkind, there's no way Terry Goodkind hasn't ever said the phrase uh, uh, I- "I'm uh, socially liberal but fiscally conservative." That has <laughs> definitely come out of his mouth plenty of times. Well, yeah. So luckily, that's kind of that's kind of where the, the sec- section about the quick section about taxes ends. <laughs> Um, anyway, obviously, oh, this is, this is super are... random. Sorry. Uh, I was realizing with, you know, Richard basically taking over the world or trying to, it, it reminded me of the fact that all the high Daharan and Daharan words are very clearly like German seeming. Yeah. So, like shitty German. So it's like Richard's basically like, Hey guys, I'm the good Hitler. Like, <laughs> oh, it really comes off like that though because he's like i have the solution for everything i am the right way and the truth and you all need to follow me under threat of being crushed by my army which his mm, whole country is blonde hair and blue eyed but he's not mm, i mean oh god i didn't even think about that (laughs) fuck it's pretty clear like (laughs) well in the audiobooks they speak in russian accents and like what are you trying to hide yeah uh, that's, so that's so weird. That's all. That's so most weird. of Richard's like political maneuvering in this book is just trying to get everyone to submit to him entirely. There's some magic trickery that he does here and there, but the rest of Richard's story is basically fucking around in the wizard's keep. Yeah, and then there's um, I'm trying to think of other things. So there's there's still he still has a contingent of three Mordsith guards, um, Kara, Berdine, and Reyna. And they're kind of just, I mean, you forgot Chris, Polly you, again, Paris. Yeah, she dies pretty early. She doesn't matter. There's only the <laughs> yeah. three. Um, yeah, that's Chris, how he gets his army on his side. He like r- goes in, does his magic trick. That doesn't work, and then he kills a bunch of Mris with in a battle. And they're and like, "That was then cool. Like, that was cool. We'll, we'll follow you." But like Holly, it was the red shirt who dies, and yeah, 
He holds a big funeral for her, and all the Daharans have to do a devotion to Richard, which is very oh. important for later. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get to that whole that discussion. That's a whole 20 minutes <laughs> oh. right there. Oh, it's yeah. so simple, guys. Come on. Oh, God. But so the it's more a very Sith... simple content. So the Mord Sith are the, the red leather clad uh, torture warrior babes, basically, who were the personal royal guard of the previous Lord Rawl, uh, Richard's evil dad, but the new Rawl always inherits them. So Richard has this, you know, <sighs> sexy army at his disposal, and he has <laughs> these three main ones, Kara, Reyna, and Burdine, who are his personal protectors. And Chris, you have a note about this, so I'm going to let you uh, let you do that. Well, it's it, you know, it's just the obvious thing when you have a bunch of women in red leather who are BDSM practitioners. Of course, everything about them has to be constantly horny and flirty. Yep. The Mord Sith trio here are never not winking and smiling at Richard and trying to act like they want to be with him intimately, despite the fact that two of them are lesbians together, and there's this whole scene oh. where Richard has to sit down with Burdine because she's like, I'm afraid to tell you something. This is after he saves her from nipple-based mind control, which we'll also get to later. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that was a whole scene. Okay, no, actually, let's get to it now. Burdine is under nipple mind control, which Tobias Brogan... <laughs> yeah, you have to go uh. to the previous woman's nipple mind... Can I Can I go back to, like... Uh, can we... Wait, wait, wait. Can we just stick... Let, yeah, all let's right. talk about all the all horny right. right now. Actually, here's the uh. horny part of the podcast, everyone. <laughs> No, well, let's... All right, let's focus on the Mord Sith, and then we can explain the nipple mind control. How about that? Let's just keep some structure here. Okay, I'll try my best here. Yeah, you explained them pretty well. They're they're horny leather babes who torture people. Oh, no, I meant meant Chris letting Chris talk about his point about the Mord Sith. Well, that happened so much further. Uh, Sorry, mine mine are chronological, so... (laughs) My only point here is that they're literally there to titillate for no reason, even when it makes no sense for their characters to have to do that. I guess Burdine brings up, well, under Dark and Rawl, he took me to his bed whenever he pleased anyway, so I had... I had to be flirty all the time, kind of, so I can't turn it off. And then when she reveals to Richard that she's in love with Reyna, he has to sit her down and have this, like, gross... Fucking That's chat with her through the keep. They're not sitting down. This is where they're running through like incredibly dangerous traps. That oh yeah, yeah. What a time! To... What yeah. a time to have that conversation. He has to, right? He has to be like you know, Burdine. I think it's gross, but it doesn't matter as long as because I, I still love you. It's this whole like love it's the center. Nineteen ninety six as hell. It's like yeah. Oh, see how nice he is. He's he's not spitting on the lesbian. <laughs> Look at him. Yeah, yeah right. He, he just tells her she's evil and bad. He just, he just says, like, I don't... He just, it's the worst phrasing even to me is saying, it's just not right. He repeatedly says Ugh. that phrase. It's like, yeah. that's worse than saying, like, you're against God to me. It's just like, at least you're using some dumb Bible stuff if you say that. It's like, it's just not right. It's like, okay, well, fuck you too. <laughs> she continues to flirt with him even after Richard is like, nah, it's fine. Don't worry about that thing. So, and I mean, there's, you know, when Holly is delivering him the the the, the declaration that he is Lord Rawl now, she pulls it out of her boobs <laughs> because they, they all can't... get changed in front of him all the time. Yeah. And so I guess now let's segue into the nipple mind control thing, because oh, this they, is probably the one, most heinous example of this. One last thing. They sit on his lap and put their arms around him and giggle. And then at the very end, they even Terry even throws in a scene where 
Colin, uh, Kaylin, sorry, like flirts with them too and is like, I think her boobs would look good in my hands or like something because fucking Terry, good kind. <laughs> like I said, it's always all- had his pants half off during the entire writing <laughs> yeah. of this thing. Always anyway, titillation. Anyway. I want to get to the central horny moments in this book. So Tobias Brogan can mind control people by cutting off their nipples. And uh, Lunetta, his sister, who's a magician or, or, or you know sorceress, does something with the nipple to have mind control over. I, does it have to be a woman? Did I? He never clarified this, I think. Yeah, I wondered the same thing. Like, are there any boy nipples in that thing? Uh, he has I mean, a collection probably. of nips. Yeah, Tobias, he, he has a whole nip collection, which I'm assuming is people that he has control over. Um, he gets this um, wife of some government official. He kills the government official, and that wife shows up and basically has these intense, horny scenes with Richard. I sent Paris a snippet oh, of the, of the oh, dinner scene here. Oh, can, which can we? I'm going to read this. I'm going to see if I can try to find it, but while I'm trying to find I that. I have quotes. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Burdine, Burdine is under similar nipple mind control, but Richard finds it out by having everyone show him their boobs. And then he heals Burdine's cut-off nipple? Yeah, that by ends, like grabbing it and thinking real hard? That's, well, that's yes. The thing. He, yeah, his magic always works when he just needs it. So, like, after, like, multiple chapters of the Duchess of uh, uh, Kelton... I believe yes. yeah, the Duchess of Kelton. She's actually the royal one, so killing her dumb husband doesn't matter. Uh, so, like, she gets a spell put on her, like, by Bro, uh, not Brogan, spoiler, uh, by Lunetta. And, like, so she just goes to Richard, but he's like, I- I'll totally surrender, but can I just stand around your palace and stay here and be really horny for you? And Richard is under a spell, but doesn't realize it after, like, days and days. Like, he knows what magic feels like, right? Shouldn't he know what a glamour feels like? But yeah, well- no, he just sucks soup off her finger and shit. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> I yeah, love so, how soft and slippery so, so, feels on my tongue. Yeah, yeah, what page, uh, what page does that start on? Because it's like, guys, all right, all right, fo- folks listening, we're talking like a 15-page horny dinner scene. It's absurdly long. I, I have a picture of page 230, Paris, which I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs oh, okay, because, uh, all right, I have, yeah, all right, mm. All right, so uh, Richard comes from eating lamb. Yeah, Uh, no, it's another food actually. Okay, I'm gonna read that part, I guess. Then okay, so this is a dinner scene with this wife of the you know the government person. I guess well, she's the she's the duchess. Yeah, yeah, okay. She's the ruler of Kelton at that point. Sorry, it's a ten-page horny dinner. uh, Twelve, fifteen, and like twelve page. Twelve page. No, (laughs) twelve. It's a 12-page horny dinner scene. That's pretty close. Anyway, okay. go ahead, Chris. Um, here's just one segment of it. Her tongue stroked across her lips. Best I've ever had. Richard realized that his fingers were empty. He thought that he must have eaten the, the scoop of rice until he saw the white spot. I'm sorry. I'm already laughing at what I'm seeing later. This is the second time Richard forgets that if he ate something, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) He's just like, he forgot if he swallowed in an earlier chapter. It's like, you're bad at food, man. (laughs) He thought he must have eaten the scoop of rice until he saw the white splat on the tray under him. She plucked an egg from the bowl, pressed her red lips around it, and bit it in half. Um, luscious. She placed the round end of the other half to his lips. Here, try it. 
Its silken surface had a mildly spicy tang against his tongue and a flexible, resilient feel. She pushed it all the way in with one finger. It was chew or choke. He chewed. Her gaze left his to roam the tray. What have we here? Oh, Richard, don't tell me it's... She swirled her first and second fingers around the bowl with the pears. She sucked the thick white sauce off her first finger. Some of the some of the coating of the other dribbled down her hand to her wrist. Oh yes, oh Richard, this is fabulous here. She put her second finger up to his lips. Before he realized it, she had the whole length in his mouth. Suck it clean, she insisted. In isn't that the best you've ever had? Richard nodded, trying to catch his breath after she drew her finger out. She tilted her wrist. Oh, please lick it off before it gets on my dress. He took her hand up in his and put it to his mouth. The taste of her galvanized him. His lips on her flesh made his heart pound painfully. She let out a throaty laugh. That tickles. Your tongue is rough. He let her hand go, rousing from the intimate connection. Sorry, he whispered. And I'll just stop there, honestly, because I can't stand oh, it. Oh, man. Yeah, this whole scene is just unforgivable. I mean... Has the word so... uh, galvanizing ever been used in a sex scene before? <laughs> Maybe yeah, in some know. very specific metalworking pornos. Yeah, it's like what, what? Okay, you ran out of words there, Tear. Yeah, maybe in some, maybe in like some machine shop settings. I don't know. Um, That's straight up pornography, right? That's just straight up a porn segment there where yeah, we're having. Ugh. But like a fifteen-year-old yeah. would write. I kept coming yeah. across that in this book. It was like, this is like I would write this when I was first reading these books. Like, well, my my uh, note on that was. Well, I think uh, I think we can solidly say that Terry has wrested the gross fantasy feast descriptions trophy from George R. R. Martin with this one. Like he just he took ripped it right out of George's greasy, dripping hands. I mean, yeah, George was all about the food itself being yeah, kind he's of horny dripping for the food. Yeah, <laughs> which I would argue is better than this. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I like Terry's stuff where he's horny for violence. That's my. Uh, this is not my speed either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and so during this whole thing with uh, Catherine, Catherine, Catherine. What, what a normie Dur ass name for this yeah. world. Yeah, during during the whole Catherine Katie. thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> during the whole Catherine thing, I was you know Chris and I had an argument about whether or not she was glamored, and I was like, well, she. I hope so because Richard's acting awfully single for a man betrothed. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I thought they make it obvious by like they Luneta do. casting a spell, it, it, but it, they don't so, say glamour. Uh, yeah, my issue here is the definition of what a glamour is. To me, a I understood a glamour to be a physical appearance change, not like a magical pull of horniness. I think it, it can be both, is what yeah. the text kind of um, alluded to. I've seen both in other fantasy, too, so... I yeah. have always taken a glamour to be like what it's magical makeup and good lighting. <laughs> so well, that happened. That is what Luanetta is doing. Yeah, like we find out later that she casts a glamour on herself at all times to make her not fuckable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's she, a, she's reverse glamoured, anti glamoured. Um, that was that was my quibble with glamour, but it's definitely happening here. I would say I was just I didn't know if. When you said glamour, you you were talking about a physical appearance change, but you're talking about the horny pull that Richard feels at all times around Catherine. Yeah, I mean, and he just can't stop describing 
her lips and breasts and hair and everything all the time. It's it's very frustrating. And I was just saying, yeah, I hope he's glamoured because otherwise, what the fuck? Because he's always been about Kaylin. But he gets that um, hall pass later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I Yeah, I don't know. So I was like, I really yeah. hope this is a glamour and it's not. Uh, yeah, it's anyway. So after a while, still she just dumb tries to and fucking stab him. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like, this isn't working. Secret plan. I always thought I couldn't remember because I'd read it before. Like I couldn't remember exactly what Brogan's plan was. I every time I read, I forget that it's as stupid and simple as get him real horny and then you stab him. Like it's yeah. not Brogan coming in the room or somebody no. stronger who's not going to immediately be murdered by Richard. No, it's just like yeah, just get him horny and then you know knife him. Oh, but then can Chris? Do you want to talk about how Richard breaks this horny spell? Because he's more horny for Kalen. <laughs> that's you see that's what a good answer. man is that yeah that's really all it comes down to is he's like oh th- this girl makes me so horny but there's this other woman that i was into oh yeah but she's makes me hornier so i'm gonna kill this one <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the only way he breaks the spell is by out hornying the horny spell essentially yeah and that to me is just really stupid I, I... it's reused again later in the in the book when one of the sisters of the dark tries to mind control him later his horniness for Kalen over you know destroys that also type yes. of mind control I think it's supposed to be like true love conquers all but that's also kind well, of, yeah, I'm, uh, not, I'm uh, not into it spoiler alert there's a later like books and books into the future Kalen has amnesia for like multiple books and like he cures it by fucking her like so, like that's the, these are the books that you're reading. Wait, is the sort of truth really just Richard's dick? Like, is that just no? It's <laughs> the man with the magic penis. Yeah. Because <laughs> oh. in the first book, he defeats both Den. He de- beats Denna with his magic dick, and then beats the confessor's power with it too. It's like that's true. I mean, it's he becomes God at the end of the series as well. So it's like, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's the like, series I, sucks. I tap out at, at like seven. I can't go any. He defeats communism by uh, carving a statue in book six. Oh, <laughs> sick. Okay, <laughs> we'll get there eventually, everyone. Yeah, Build like a god 25. workshop new in the Midlands. Yo. Uh, all right, yeah. yeah so Jesus. that doubt this was all birthed from the the Mord Sis discussion here. <laughs> were there any other horny moments here that we should uh, talk about? There's so many. Um, I well, guess to, how about to stab him? So like, can we talk about how? Oh, sorry, TJ, you were saying. no. It's just like after she tries to stab him, then he like for some reason he like gropes her while she's a dead body, and then notices <laughs> lack of nipple. <laughs> Like yeah. and that's how he yeah. like as if that wasn't like it's the, the it's bad when he has the Mordsith come in and take their tops down but it's worse to me the reason he found out is just like groping a dead body for like clues <laughs> yeah I couldn't what I I couldn't understand why it was like or was oh no 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 I think it's because her top was ripped in the and fight and he noticed it. And he noticed it, but it did seem he odd. He still groped a dead body to make he sure. He did touch he it. Did. He did yeah. touch. He did. He touched. The well, corpse. oh no, no, wait, 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 wait! I remember why it was weird. So her, so it's nighttime. There are no lights on in the room, just the light from <laughs> the moon outside. And um, after, in the struggle with Catherine as she's trying to stab him, her dress gets ripped open, and so one of her breasts is exposed, and she has a, a makeup nipple like a, a fake one on there and somehow he notices that it's not casting a shadow <laughs> in the dark know, after huh? a woman just tried to murder him and his and his focus is yo that nip's not casting a shadow <laughs> i gotta investigate <laughs> 
What? And this man has had sex with two women. Yeah, like, I... he, he's not well versed on like nipples and shadows. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like he. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, he went to fuck school. I'm sure he saw a lot of nipples there, but I no, just he don't. Didn't. He turned he them didn't, all though. down like a good man. Yeah, no, but he, he just... saw them before he turned them down, right? I, I think mean, I, I, one person. You, yeah, I don't okay, know if that's how okay. you proposition. Like, are you sure? Check out these titties. Yeah, I don't know. Tits, tits seem to be pretty motivating to some people. I, I don't know, but anyway. I found it really odd, that whole sequence of him being like, huh, that nipple's not casting a shadow in the dark after someone just tried to murder me. Better check that other nipple. And then he somehow, and then he wipes it away, realizes it's not there, and then just automatically knows, oh, this is evil magic. How would you make that connection? Maybe she had cancer. Fuck, I don't know. He didn't like, know the evil magic the whole time she was making, it, she was using it to make him horny, but now right. he can figure it out. It's I just how his gift works. It just makes no sense that he would be like a missing nipple. Def- this is definitely how she's being mind controlled. That has never, not once been established as a method of mind control in this series. Not even anything like it, as far as I remember. Wait, and so wait, it just wait, doesn't. Wait, this woman has no pussy hair. Something yeah. evil is afoot. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, like, I mean, it could, there could be any number of reasons why a woman is missing a nipple. I just, I mean, sure, it's odd, and I might. Thing. Yeah, it's like, sure, it's odd, and I might investigate it, but I wouldn't immediately know exactly what it is. Like, it makes okay. no sense. Okay, here's the perfect chance to go off into the the big issue here, which is Richard's magic ability to know everything perfectly. Yeah. So, remember when we talked about him going through the uh, Wizard's Keep and having that, uh, it's okay if you're gay, but not really, discussion with Burdine? Which happens he- in, like... 40 chapters, but yeah. Yeah, he, they, he, Richard decides to go into the wizard's keep because it's there and he might as well go in there, even though everyone's like, no, it's super trapped, guy. You, you, there's stuff in there that'll kill you instantly. Richard is just, con- he's pretty confident that he could get through it. And I mean, spoilers, he's right. He does just get through it. But that's the whole point. He goes into the wizard's keep and at one point they're down in a library where there's different colored tiles on the floor and Richard goes, Oh, you need to step on these exact tiles. And they're the exact right tiles to avoid some kind of death magic that was there in the first place. It's like Richard is getting past notes from the DM in this fucked up <laughs> D&D campaign because he's the favorite player. Why does he know the wizard keep tile puzzle instantly? He doesn't earn anything like that in the book at all. He just automatically knows this shit, and it's so frustrating. And what is kind of extra frustrating, I mean, I don't care, because this only the first book in this series is even kind of good but yeah. uh, like yeah. i what they they do that with the sword of truth itself where it's he's like getting messages from the other people who have had the sword so when he's like a super extra good fighter even though he was just a woods guide that part is explained it's like he's getting messages literally like you said from the sword and he could have just written something similar in about his gift like it helps you communicate with wizards of old but no they never do it's just like nah he's a war wizard and that means you just automatically know all the stuff it's just like you could have justified it in a bad way at least well I kind of think it's all lazy even if, and sorry, not to belittle your point, I think, no, I think that it, would have been it better. No, it's all lazy. <laughs> yeah, I just lazy. think I just think that it would have been. It's. it's I'm just so, like do something. Yeah, it's just it's just. So <laughs> I'm long. agreeing with Chris. I'm like do something, man. It's not similarly to how we were talking about how the villains are not compelling. Our protagonists are also not very compelling, or at least our main one, because 
Um, you know, yeah, everything is solved for him all the time. He doesn't have to work for anything, really. He just senses the right thing all the time. There's never really any problem, ever. Um, and I just don't see how that makes a character likable and interesting. Well, that's kind of why mean, the, the book where he defeats communism with a statue <laughs> is... Um, actually kind of the best one before it becomes unreadable because in that one he's taken away from Kalen. Kalen is like afflicted with a curse where if he does anything like bad shit will happen to her. So he agrees. So basically he's powerless for an entire book and actually has to work for things and like figure shit out. And that's the last decent book in the series is the <laughs> one time they make him do that. And then it just becomes, he's like spouting Ayn Randy and shit for another 10 books and then oh, ends with him being God. Yeah. I, um, I just don't find characters like that, uh, super interesting. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I'm sure for some people having a perfect, this perfect ideal that they think they'd want to be is cool, but I hope people are, I, I don't know, penis. smarter yeah. than that to just want <laughs> things to be super easy for them all the time. It cuts. It undercuts all the conflicts in the book. Like even the Catherine thing that we were mentioning, I thought this was going to be a long, drawn-out thing where he's, yeah. con you know, consistently going back and forth with Catherine, trying to figure out who's the. Sp I think he does know there's a spy somewhere amongst his, you know, castle or something because he's setting up the Mord Sith to watch out for certain things, and he's cognizant of the fact that there might be some people working for the Imperial Order or the Blood of the Fold or something amongst him. But no, she does the horny dinner and tries to stab him a couple chapters later, and that's the end of that conflict. And this happens so many times throughout the book with so many different things that you just know that something's going to be—even the Wizards Keep, they go in there, and you think, oh, maybe he trips up and almost dies his first time, and he has to figure out how to get past this one barrier. But he just consistently crosses all the, the barriers possible with— blind luck slash just blundering through it yeah so, there's no there's no real danger for any main character nothing ever. is earned ever no even stuff that's set up because later so he dispatches um gratch to go find kaylin originally he was supposed to meet up with kaylin later they got separated here's another bullshit magic thing the fucking death spell right okay so here's you know, death spell makes perfect sense and i don't know how you could be confused by it Okay, so there's the Zed cast. <laughs> oh, oh, Zed cast really? Zed cast a death spell to fake Kalen's death, so that everyone believes Kalen is dead. Kalen Amnel. Does that I, that extends not to the Mother Confessor? People still think there is a Mother Confessor out there somewhere, even if they can't remember her name because of the death spell. Well, they know she's now, dead, actually. They, they know the Mother Confessor is dead because they saw right. her executed. They just don't okay. remember that the name was specifically her. Right. Okay. So no one remembers Kaylin, And the way the death spell works is she's erased or like sort of it's a blind spot in people's memory that they can't seem to pierce. Except for Tobias Brogan, who can figure it out. Why does Tobias know that Colin is the Mother Confessor? He interrogated all those people. Uh, the one, uh, Mr. Sanderholt, she was truthful to a point, and Lunetta was doing her magic to find out she's telling the truth. Uh, Lunetta was like, she was telling the truth except for this, the mother confessor, be not dead, with their weird accent. 
And then uh, per what Zed says, when Kaylin's talking about this to Zed saying, take off the curse, it feels like icy fingers of death all the time. Zed's like, no, we can't do it right now, and I'm not going to do it. And the only other way is if someone with the gift figures it out and names like your proper name, which Brogan does because Lunetta helped him find out the truth and because we don't know it till way later after he names her but brogan does have the gift that confused me at first too i thought that was your point of confusion but then we learn later that he's a wizard so he named her like zed said and then the spell was broken is the uh, is the point there is tobias can even remember her name because he is a wizard no he get he figures out that uh, that Mr. Sanderholt was lying, even though she doesn't actually use the person's name. And then he just kind of puts two and two together because Rich- he asks Richards, what's your wife's name going to be? And that's he just puts that together pretty much. Yeah, because I didn't think anyone actually confessed or that Lunetta figured out that it was Kaylin. No, she uh. just like she was like, hey, this this bitch right here is lying. Uh, she, the, like she, another confessor's still alive. Pretty much is like what Lunetta told him. I mean, like. Because uh, uh, Mr. I don't know how Mr. Sanderholt knows that. Oh, it's because Richard told her. Fucking idiot! That would <laughs> none of that would have happened if Richard wasn't like Did- Mr. Sanderholt. I fucked Kaylin in a place between worlds. Isn't that uh, swell? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're he right. would have just kept okay. his stupid mouth shut. None of that would have happened. The spell would have been impossible to break. So okay, it's Richard's well- fault. <laughs> Okay, thank you for clearing that up. But can I can I make another point about how no, fucking I, I- dumb that spell is? Oh yeah, it's dumb, but it makes sense. Why would why would the spell break if someone else with the gift found out? Why would that destroy the spell? I don't get it. I mean, it, that's kind of I, I think because uh, a lot of these spells seem to have like a particular like wiggly thing that if you poke it, it sets it off. And I think that was the wiggly pokey thing in this particular spell. Yeah, but why? I don't because you need a way to creative. Yeah, that's why. Ferris, that's why. It's because yeah. Terry's a bad writer. Is why. I'll explain uh... it like a nerd, but I, I know it's bad. <laughs> okay. Well, well, riddle me this, Tjaicus. <laughs> how how does Brogan? How is he able to see the Merswith? They reveal themselves to him uh, because. Basically, for the whole book, uh, he's talking about how he's getting visions from the creator. And because the audience reading it isn't fucking stupid, they know that that's actually Jagang is the dreamwalker. Because obviously right. the creator isn't, like, going to do that. Like, we never even see the keeper in these books. So I'm, I'm kind of convinced that neither of those things actually exist. But that's a theological argument for another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he just, like, yeah, that's it. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's one. Um, that's the one. There's not. There's a secondary stupid magic thing in here. Oh, there's so many. Right. <laughs> so, but once again, just a conflict that is solved by just because there's one rule that Terry had to make up to make the spell be broken. And it, similarly, do you remember us earlier in this episode speaking about the oath that people have to make to Richard mm-hmm. as master of Dahara? This is apparently a magical spell that binds people to him in protection you see we talked about jagang as well jagang can go into people's dreams i don't know if that's just everyone around the world or if there's a radius that he can affect but the only people he definitely can't affect are people that have sworn loyalty to aral or the master of dahara i i wasn't quite sure which one was the exact thing that had to be declared because there's a a genetic protection spell that gets passed from one master of Dahara or one Rawl down to the next 
And if you swear loyalty to Aral, you're not affected by Dreamwalkers. Yeah, okay. I don't, I don't know if it has to be the Master of Dahara, for one. That's one thing I'll admit. I don't know how, yeah. like... Because uh, Dark and Raw has bastards. Like, yeah. there's, like, multiple bastard characters that show up later in the series. Um, they're all tedious and awful, like most of these <laughs> characters. Um, but... All right. Uh, yeah. So that's the the mechanics of the protection spell that... Again, I'm not sure if Jagan can control literally anyone else in the world. Is, is there any... Gift. Yeah, okay. Like, it's like, he can fuck with people who don't have the gift. Like, uh, General Rybish tells Richard after that he does the devotion that he's like, hey, I was having bad dreams and now I'm not anymore. He says it as like, a, yeah, you're just so swell, Rick. But it's like we kind of, it's it's also indicating that. But it's mostly people with the gift, the gift people he can fuck with all over the world. And yeah. yeah so, okay. But unless, the, unless they've sworn loyalty to Richard. Yes. Now, you remember the six sisters of the dark that were doing their naked ship cruise thing. They were visited by Jakang and they're terrified because they're under his control. And so they go to Richard, pretty much. They well, before, disip- I just want to, there's the one chapter, I don't want it to go unmentioned, where they go to Jagang's first, because they think that they're so powerful that they're just going to kill him. Like Welcome very- to Jagang! All of our girls are nude or in sheer cloth. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and I love, I, I like, I love this introduction of Jagang, too, because, like, the way he describes them, he's, like, shaved head and, like, uh, like fur vest covered in jewelry. It's like it's like an Armenian Steven Seagal movie villain. Like, <laughs> so like he's the, oh, or he's, something from Conan. Yeah, yeah, he's the villain for like the rest of the series, and he's just like not. He's just described as like like a guy who would be a bouncer at a club. Like, yeah. Oh, and he's also comically and stupidly rapey and evil and. I heard Mark Hamill's Joker voice when he spoke. I don't know why. That was just what I thought. Just like a that low, gravelly, just like very creepy, like when he's like getting real low with it. That that that's what I heard when Jagang. Oh, I imagined dialogue. him as um. What's the guy from uh? Is it Street Fighter? <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Uh, who's the who's the guy? Goro. Are you talking about the forearm guy? Gor- Goro with forearms and the yeah. And the- yeah, that's why I imagined him as. <laughs> what? <laughs> he was like speaking full sentences. Um, yeah, but just the, I don't know. That's just what worked in my mind. But anyway, okay, sure. So that's the Jagong. All right, so let's. All right, fuck. We have to pick a topic here. Do we want to talk it's, about the, it's the loyalty magic? It's this okay. Is what let's we're talk gonna about the loyalty sp- magic. Okay, so the loyalty magic. Yeah, I I think that like. This whole genetic so so it's like decide Terry is it genetic or is it you, you just say the oath because apparently it's you just say this these four sentences and you're good like yeah it's not yeah it's, what it, it, it's genetic based on who you can be bonded to it has to be a raw Daharans feel the bond more strongly but basically anyone can uh you know they can like put their pledge into him without actually using the words i think the words are creepy as fuck and it vaguely tries to make sound like richard thinks they're creepy but that happens like once but we learn with like sister simona when she gets cured of her madness by just pledging to richard she's just like i pledge my life to him and all that jazz so to me it felt like when this is very bible belt specific but like 
accepting Jesus into your heart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so That's how like, you're saved. Yeah. Yeah. If you do that, you can either like repeat what the pastor is saying exactly. Or if you have the wherewithal, you can make up your own thing and nobody's going to fault you either way. And, you know, it's dumb and simplistic, like most of the mechanics here. But I just kept thinking about the fact that, like, unlike accepting Jesus into your heart in this world, ours, accepting Richard into your heart in that world has actual practical benefit and use. Like, you get a real thing out of it. The Dreamwalker won't enter your dreams anymore. So I'm like, it's better. I wish I went to that church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Church of Rawl has some, yeah, some real, yeah, real life effects. Like- yeah. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, it's pretty good. But, I mean, yeah, so... I have that- a point here, Paris. TJ, are you, are you, you trying to say I don't have a point? <laughs> no, I'm, I, it's getting away from me, and I want to get to the thing that... Okay, I, go ahead. Because TJ ahead. brought up that Sister Simona was cured of her madness and freed from the Dreamwalker's influence by just saying some words without Richard even present. Yeah. yeah. Why do the Sisters of the Dark have to go to a meeting with Richard and tell them their pla- tell him their plan to be freed from Jagang in order for the pledge to work for them? Why can't they just stay on their boat and go, I pledge loyalty to Richard? Oh shit, it works. We're because free. they had to be specific to the dude. I know it's 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 convoluted as shit. It's actually one of the most complicated things Terry has done as far as like any mechanics or any like they're basically telling him like yeah, he he keeps saying, "Well, you're you're against me, so you can't actually be devoted to me." And I think a, a really great great quote from Alicia that I actually put in here, it maybe doesn't like justify this entire situation but the main reason they have to be in person is because they're being sneaky they're like we won't necessarily fuck with you directly but you have to make sure you have to promise not to fuck with us so and but I, when Richard argues back I think it's a really great quote about Richard's whole arc in this book specifically that she says to him it's a matter of perception Richard it's power we want the same as you no matter the morals in which you wish to couch your ambitions so she's just like, we see it the right way, the same way you see yourself taking over the goddamn world. <laughs> like, we see it differently than you. So I, that's how it works. It's, I think it's just because they're being sneaky. They can't do it on the boat because it would break as soon as they did something naughty. But Richard is basically like, fine, you can be devoted to me and go be naughty, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> so you, But that just makes it stupider. Yeah, it's very stupid. It's because he wants to get his lady, too. That's the only reason he does. It's like, all right, but, you know, you know what I want. <laughs> it doesn't, but it doesn't make any I Yeah, like Chris said, it doesn't make any sense. Do, so clearly you don't actually have to be in front of Richard to swear the oath. And it just seems, again, super lazy. And I don't. I don't buy it. I just I mean, don't, I don't buy it's that. It's impressive saying... to me that he was so lazy and so convoluted at the same time. <laughs> it's an yes. impressive piece of fiction. That's um, how I feel about all the magic in these fucking books, man, is it's just somehow so lazy but so convoluted at the same time. Yeah. Hey, I just want this to be a Cinemax show where Richard just murders lots of people and there's no talking. Oh, <laughs> if only. Um, But this is... It's just such a simple solution. Why wouldn't just everyone do this? And then the Dreamwalker would have no power. Well, that's what he tries to make happen, like, the rest of the book series, because, 
yeah, he's trying to conquer the world for the rest of the series. So what you just yeah, yeah, why doesn't everyone? Good question. Richard goes out in the world and asks it repeatedly. The fifth book, he uh, runs for mayor of a small town. Wait, that, but he's the... What? <laughs> what? He's the master of entire content. Yeah. <sighs> it, 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 he's not necessarily... He's just like... Uh, the 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 mayor of that town is basically running against him, so he, uh, in effect, has to run for mayor. <laughs> it's like the, the the town is voting on whether they want to join Dahara, and so that's the actual thing. But it's funnier because to just say he's running for mayor because he's running against the mayor. So <laughs> okay, what he is doing he Fair campaigns, enough. he gives speeches. <laughs> okay, that's incredibly dumb. Uh, but moving on, or sorry, not moving on. Going going back to this point of of this this loyalty oath i don't understand how it works even if it's not sincere like we were just talking with the sisters of the dark Uh, it doesn't that to me is the biggest sin of this you know fine if you want to say hey i do what i want in my book and they say these words and it works but like even if you say them insincerely or like not knowing because i feel like with the whole jesus thing like letting jesus in your heart and saving you you have to actually believe that that (laughs) Right. Yeah, there there is. uh, I know there is at some point someone who thought that they were bonded, and then it doesn't like Jiang still gets them because they weren't actually serious or something. But the way they explain it, like again, it's convoluted. But they're just basically like, "You're against Jiang. We're against Jiang. That's." should be good enough for the bond we think so anything against Jagang is for Richard that's just so once again the binary shows fuck this yeah binary binary for the win I mean I honestly (laughs) would have been so much happier if you had just stuck with the genetic thing because at least that is sort of believable in a way I mean not like only Daharans could swear loyalty yeah like people born from of certain lineages in Dahara would be more inclined to follow him because there's some level like that kind of sort of, I could well, sort of that, buy that. Thing. He didn't invent it for that. Like Alric Rawl didn't invent the bond in order to do that. That's uh, the thing. So uh, uh, a thing we haven't touched on yet is uh Burdine and Richard, after they go into the wizard's keep to, uh, fuck around I don't know and Richard is just homophobic to her um, yeah. they find a book and they start translating it and like the big build up in the last bit of the book is just them doing a fucking book report and it's <laughs> like well they're translating it, it's just harder than it's doing just a like book it, I just saw there was a hundred pages left and that was the main driving thing that was happening was them yeah. translating that book but one of the thing that book says it's a, it's a journal from a guy like 3,000 years ago and basically it's like Alric Rawl in our war against the Dreamwalkers, he's told us he has this bond that he thought up, but we don't believe him because Rawls only want to rule the world. But the truth is he like made it purely only because of the Dreamwalker. The fact that it's like Daharin specifically is just happenstance of him being the guy who invented that thing. But no one believes that. That's why it's only Daharins that do it. <laughs> because all the, like all these Rawls are just pieces of shit for centuries or millennia. Uh yeah. I just, again, and there's so many, this is like another problem in the series in that there's so many different forms of magic that don't all seem to kind of complement each other. Um, Like, they don't all work off the same principles. Yeah, it's either completely binary or like, like Gars v. Mriswith is just a complete binary. 
and additive versus subtract, but it's just sometimes it's like, or it works this way. It's like, uh, okay, cool, whatever. Yeah. Apparently, I, people died to forge a sword. Uh, 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 all right. <laughs> yeah, and then like, there's also this point of with talking about the magic and the Dreamwalker and stuff. With it, Vernon and Warren are talking about why the Dreamwalker is dangerous, and they basically are like, well, he can make dreams real, and then they kind of say it's like the same as Han because. Warren and Verna can technically make things real with their magic, right? Like, Verna can, for example, in the text, she thinks about creating a fire and creates a light in her hand, a flame that she can then apply to a real candle. And it's like, wait, so how is... Why is his stuff different? Jigang also can't make dreams real. <laughs> like, he can torture people with bad dreams while they're sleeping, but, like, he can't manifest it into reality. He absolutely well, does no. not have that power. Well, no, they can Well, no, no, no. He, wh- he can make... He can do things to you in your dreams that manifest in reality. Like, he can twist their nipples or whatever. Like Because oh, yeah. I think that's talked about where, the, where he, you know, can torture them physically and it'll actually hurt them in real life um that's true i thought i meant and, like he, he can think of cake oh no <laughs> i guess it's, i guess it's slightly different you know he but exclusively I, uses it for nipple torture which yeah, is a big like, theme in this i book. forgot about that it just all blended into one sadomasochistic scene <laughs> i guess the, the other thing i didn't love is that he's supposed to be this big bad character but we only have one scene with him and we don't learn anything and it's not it's not like, ooh, it's a tease. It's just like, it just feels lacking. Yeah, he serves as a faceless villain for a lot of it, where it's just like the Imperial Order itself is supposed to be more of the bad guy, which is even more dull. But like they even do say, like, even if we kill Jagang, someone else will take up the mantle of the Order. That's like Richard's excuse for, like, you know, again, trying to take over the world. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Jagang's powers were also a result of wizards making magical weapon people. Because wizards are the reason everything sucks in this world. Can we brief aside while we're talking about Jagang being sort of generic villain in the background? He's basically approaching the Palace of the Prophets, the whole book, to take over it so that he can live for a very long time and rule from that time bubble so that he rules for, you know, forever as long as he's alive. Um, I just want to bring up the small detail that I almost forgot about, which is that to announce the approach of the emperor months in advance, he sends drummers that are drumming constantly for months. <laughs> I forgot about that. Kind of saps away some of the, like, yeah. eventually you're probably just going to get used to it, right? Like... Yeah, it's and then they stop really... when he's real close. Yeah, like... so just go and <laughs> really cutting off your own buildup no here. Sneak to him. I, it would be funnier to me if the whole time they were started very slow, like you only had like one drum hit a day, and then <laughs> as he got closer, it turned faster and faster until there was a little drum roll happening as he approached the city for the final. Like, but... you want to turn this into like a a, a prog? rock thing that yeah months. <laughs> that would be cooler i don't know it's a i think that's a better idea no, than just they add that instruments <laughs> slowly <yeah. laughs> it's one giant polyrhythm across the whole continent it's the first yes album <laughs> see now that would drive you nuts a full polyrhythm yeah. across the <laughs> why won't they just do fours <laughs> <laughs> i can't uh, find one it's torture i can't find the beat i'm going crazy <laughs> One, two, one, two, three, John. One, two, one, two, three. <laughs> please, I'll do anything. I'll do anything not to count to seven or nine, please. 
How about five? No! no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for thanks for getting the nerd, music nerd joke in there. That was good. All right, what, yeah, but what else happens in this book, though, guys? Does anything else really happen? Oh, oh, there's plenty. Um, I have, yeah, I, I got to start. But yeah. I got stuff. I got stuff. Yeah, or, yeah, I got, like, I got tw- 52 more chapters. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I've got whittling six it down, guys, because we got we to gotta start going. You know what, Chris? Let's not impose any restrictions on this, All right, this journey. Um, so back to the comical evilness of Brogan. We find out, of course, there's incest with the evil people because, of course, there is. You find out that Brogan uh, fucks Lynetta and um, forces her to unglamour herself when they have sex, right? No, that's the opposite. What? This is why Chris is understandably confused about the use of the word glamour. Because he doesn't actually fuck her. It's implied heavily, obviously. But uh, she's like, he's like tired and needing to go to bed and what or whatever. And... Lunetta's like, do you want me to cast a glamour for you? And I don't see any other way to interpret that other than, do you want me to put a spell on myself so you don't think about how you're fucking your sister? Yeah, that's what I seems like a thing they do regularly. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, you know, the evil people incest. Of course. Just hitting all the fantasy book evil hallmarks. Um, And then back, just a little more detail on how men and women are treated. I feel like I have no idea what any of these men look like. Every woman's hair, lips, eyes, curves must be described at least once and sometimes more often. Honestly, Brogan may as well be a walking mustache holding a bag of nipples and ribish, uh, just a sentient facial scar because that's all we find out about either of them. The only other physical descriptions we get are Gratch, who's male but a non-human creature, and Jagong. Uh, but but anyway, those descriptions aren't focusing on how sexy they are or aren't. It's not like Jagong's, I don't know, dick was huge and it hung out of his loincloth, you know? Oh, I know what's funny about the way they describe Tobias, too. I made note of this. Uh, there's, like, three different times where Terry, like, vaguely describes him as short, like, not the tallest man, uh, can't see over most people in the crowd. And yes, I was like, yeah. you're willing to intimately describe every detail of women's bodies, but you can't get yourself to just call a male character short. You just can't, <laughs> like, no, that'd be height shaming. Like, Terry must be, <laughs> yeah, like, 5'5". Five, yeah. five. <laughs> um, like, the most, the most he'll say is, like, Nathan was a ruggedly handsome man. But I mean, I just feel like there's such a there's such a heavier emphasis on the specifics of a woman's appearance over men in this series, um, and it yep. yeah. So we that's never annoying. find out how ri- big Richard's dick is. Like no, <laughs> I was waiting for it and waiting, and they never tell you. <laughs> oh man, um, I guess there's more ageist bullshit for about how older women can't possibly be attractive. Uh, let's see, page two seventy two. I have a note that probably demonstrates what we were talking about earlier um oh here here we are ahem verna snorted a laugh we're the same age phoebe she wiped her palms at the hips of her green dress as verna waited yes but you've been away for more than 20 years you've aged that much just like those outside the palace it will take me near to 300 years to age to where you are right now why you look like a woman of almost 40 (laughs) No. Verna sighed. 
Yes, well, a journey will do that to you. At least mine did. I don't ever want to go on a journey and get old. Does it hurt or something to so suddenly be old? Do you feel, I don't know, like you're not attractive and life is no longer sweet? I like it when men view me as desirable. I don't want to get old. Like, it worries me. And anyway, basically, Verna gives this pep talk that's like, yo, man, being old is actually kind of cool. I'm smarter now. And aging gives you an advantage in some ways. But um, I, I don't know. A lot meaner. But I, I just put Phoebe asks Verna, what's it like to be old and attractive? And Verna keeps having to stop from saying, I don't know. What's it like being a dumb bitch? <laughs> That's just such uh, a rude question. Like, yeah. it's like, they're supposed to be kind of smart. Like, good Lord. Like, yeah. In that I know. same chapter too, by the way, uh, Verna is describing a, a person who's missing, a sister who's missing, Christabel. And the way Verna in her own head describes her missing friend is the creator had blessed her with gorgeous blonde hair and comely features. Yeah, I don't really think, like, when my friend's missing, I'm like, oh, man, God made her so hot. Too bad she's yeah. missing. Look Where are those titties? Where are those titties? Yeah. Oh, I got to see those again. What a bummer. Yeah, like, that's not how anyone thinks about that stuff. Oh, uh, Chris, I, I just my one more note from that chapter was that uh, they talk about Jala, the game. Oh, oh yeah. the fucking Which, sport! Isn't it basically just Blitzball, but obscenely violent? Yeah, What's like, pretty much. It's just, like, uh, almost ex- from Final Fantasy X. Yeah. Oh, I've never, I don't know anything It, it was about like that. a fun, a side minigame fake sport that they, that they made up for Final Fantasy X. It's so similar. Like, they start on a, a grid... It's just, like, weird. It's, like, it just struck me. It was very... Well, there's only so many games you can come up with with balls and grids, right? (laughs) Very true. I mean, yeah, so, like, they're bound to be kind of similar. I'm throwing... I have a giant chalkboard with the sport ball grid ball that I have to erase (laughs) now. (laughs) Um, I have a note... (laughs) (laughs) We call it... Bagriba. We 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 print it, we replace all the ends of the words with hyphens because it makes it sound exotic. <laughs> because okay, so. that's what they did for this. Jala is like a shortened ver- I forget sh- something. Anyway, okay, doesn't so fucking matter turns anything out. happens. It's taking very long time. <laughs> um, I have a note for page 292 oh. that is here come the nuns in black wizard sex defenders. <laughs> <laughs> what is that even about? Sung to the tune of Men in Black. I don't even, what is that even? A... Uh, I'm on. I'll read the page and let you know. Um, oh God, we're gonna be here forever. <laughs> yeah, I have page. I have a note that says page three sixty eight. Finally, some fucking Zed. Oh yeah, three hundred sixty eight pages in the paperback before Zed or Kalen even show up. That's oh, it's more about, than halfway through. It's about um, just Verna getting her rage on and like figuring something out about uh the prophecy i don't know i guess i just had a moment there um page 324 hmm tugging a horse's tongue seems like a great way to lose a finger or two why is there a a page where they tug a horse's tongue why would you you would never do that let me look it's when uh not addy god when annalena and nathan who surprise are of course alive even though they were burned on a pyre it's like Anyway, no no main characters die. Um, Let me find the... Uh... Oh, they start dying. <laughs> Good. Oh, here we go. Anne stroked a gentle hand along Bella's sleek, powerful golden flanks. Bella danced with delight at her touch. Bella is a horse, FYI. The big mare hopefully stuck her tongue out. 
She liked nothing better than having someone tug on it. Have y'all ever met a horse that liked their tongue tugged? Because I sure haven't. That seems weird to me. It's a really I've tiny detail to get hung up on in a sea of crap. Yeah, this, this is a 600-page book. I skipped <laughs> yeah. over the horse tongue bark. <laughs> well, it just was so weird. I, I'm surprised that neither of you remember that because that was fucking strange. No, <laughs> anything that like was with Anna and Nathan or Verda is just kind of like glossing over. Like, yeah, you do the stuff and the thing, and then nothing happens, and you fail ultimately. And, but you just okay, met... Cool, now some- you just uh, mentioned wait. that Zed shows up, and he also doesn't do anything in this book. Yeah, There's yeah, no reason for Ned to be Zed to be here. Um. Oh yeah. Sorry, TJ. You said that people, character, main characters, do start dying. They lose their plot armor eventually in these books. Yeah. I mean, the next book, uh, Richard solves the bubonic plague while tracking a Jack the Ripper style serial killer through uh, Ivan Drill. Okay. And uh, sure. I think at least a, a Mord Sith dies. Um, after he fails in his, uh, election for mayor, uh, Kaylin is violently gang raped and beaten. So, uh, well, like she doesn't die, but you know, that's, it's some plot. I mean, plot I guess that had to happen death. eventually, right? With so many yeah, threats exactly. that it happened. I mean, she got, eventually. she got assault, sexually assaulted in the last book, right? Not full. No, like there was an attempted one, but it never yeah. Mm, yeah, sorry. I, really I don't think she gets raped that in that book either. I think they just beat the shit out of her and Richard. <laughs> yeah, no, Richard literally just runs up right when they're about to. That's right. Oh, God. So, um, but no, people I don't do know. start dying because, like, it gets, it gets fucking, like, it really, it, it sucks how tediously written it was, like, that it gets, starts getting dark and, like, even more violent and more battles, like, actual pitched battles with, like, Zed throwing fire at the Imperial Order and shit, but, you know, then there's just hundreds of pages of sexual violence in between, so just never really, never of course really there gets, is. gets past that. Uh, okay, so I'm actually getting to an important point in my notes. So, um, towards the end of the book, Richard is like, oh no, I have to get to Kaylin fast, how do I do that? She's several weeks away. Oh, good thing I found this time, this, like, fast travel mechanism in the wizard's keep, and, oh, what do you know? Hmm. It's like, it's like, at this point, I imagine, as I'm reading the book, the camera pans, and, 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 uh, there's, like, a vignette around Terry Goodkind as he's writing on his, working on his drafts for this novel, and you see him with his hand on his chin looking up, thinking, and he goes, I need a, I need a fast travel mechanism. Oh, I know. It's a lady that you kind of fuck. That's that's it. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> that's a bit of a stretch as I go through dozens of chapters of notes to get to where you are. <laughs> yeah, we're that's... like we're skimming you skipped now. Skipped over basically the entire plot of the book to talk about the sliff. But the sliff is uh, the Terminator from Terminator Two. Only you jump inside of it and it transports you places. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty silvery, slippery lady. I have to be fair to t- this is like one of the few times he isn't horny for a thing, and he isn't That's very true. horny for the slip. He isn't, but why does it have to be a lady that you have to go inside of? But it's not a lady. It's a it's a thing. Like, it's g- female. You're gendering it for no reason. What do you mean? I'm not gendering it for no reason. It's referred to as a woman. Well, like, why would anyone care why what gender it was unless they were trying to fuck it? Is what I'm thinking. No, but I'm saying the text was pretty clear that it was feminine in form. Yeah, I'm just saying it's like funny that you you uh like uh 
noticed that because like to me i'm like oh he wasn't horny for the because you can definitely fuck a thing at quicksilver like you could he could have easily been very horny for this giant pile of soft goo that's true <laughs> but, he, but any- he reined it in a slight bit because it's an yeah. inanimate object i guess um and also i i'm not sure i mean i i've been uh kind of crossing out my notes as we go and uh the only I don't know. The only thing I skipped was like, well, I was going to start talking about the Merswith stuff, but apparently there's some other shit that you wanted to get to. So no, there's just, I just, I, I was trying to figure out where the Sliff part happened. And I just kept scrolling, <laughs> oh. but like, I mean, yeah, no, after the, after he, they find out that the, that the Duchess tried to kill him, there's more dumb shit happens. Richard sends Gratch to, uh, Zed and Kalen to, tell him all the shit he fucked up like hey i dissolved the entire country oh Sorry, right babe and then like uh their solution is like zed spells himself to fly away with gratch to, to help richard not fuck things up and this is around the same at this around the same time as when richard and Burdine go into the keep for no fucking reason and richard is weirdly homophobic to her uh they have the oh and there yeah you're that's exactly right where you are and then the next shit is we see Tobias fleeing the sister with uh, you know fleeing Iden Drill to go find Kaylin because he knows about her now for the dumb convoluted reasons we already talked about right. and they meet up with the Mriswith basically who are just like hey we're we're on your side we're actually with the creator and he even this moron is understandably like huh these incredibly evil looking lizard creatures <laughs> are yeah. on our side yeah, it seems yeah, a lot. but uh, i guess mm. i'll just trust it because jagang keeps appearing in his dreams so like i mean I, I guess that makes sense and then a few chapters later we you know know that uh boom there you go uh they're captured by them they put Rada Hans around her neck, which is the collar that they use to control the wizard boys. Like mm. that stops all magic, apparently. Even and... though, but but then we anyway. But then they fucked that up too. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With the very <sighs> last like page of the book, uh, that that actually always pissed me off too. But that, that uh, yeah. But um, the weirdest fucking thing in uh, around this time is that Anne and Nathan apparently their whole plan was to put one of those collars on Zed. And it just makes no sense. And he's understandably pissed, but like, no, they're they following just... a prophecy. Yeah, because there was a prophecy, and none of the pro- prophecies are the stupidest no. of uh, of a fucking just forest of stupidity in these books. Like, <laughs> how many trees died to put this stupidity to paper? The prophecies and everything about it, like Jagang wants to go to the palace of the prophet so he can like use the secret codes to conquer the world. It's just like you seem to be doing a pretty good job without that shit, bro. Maybe you could keep going, you know, normie style. Yeah, the and plus the prophets need so much interpretation or the prophecies. Sorry, and most the prof- of them are wrong. And yeah, yeah. It's and, stated and so- explicitly, most of these are bullshit. Oh. Actually, one of my notes was uh, like earlier in the book when they were talking, when Verna and Warren have this conversation about all the numerical permutations of, yeah. of the possibilities. I was like, yo, someone needs to invent a fucking computer for these people. <laughs> like, we need a computer. Help. Yeah, um, she says that like long phrase that like puts Warren in his place, like something like a bifurcated fork. And I'm like, is that it's just like a girl boss moment? <laughs> a bullshit. bifurcated fork. It's like a fork that's forked, guys. 
Oh yeah. shit! <laughs> no, but, no. Uh, pathway, like yeah. a pathway yeah, in the forest. I just really feel yeah. They need some computers up in the palace of the prophets. Um, but sorry, I had one other stupid note on page three ninety two. This is when uh, Zed and Kalen finally get Richard's letter from Gratch that he sent with Gratch, and it it starts off. It says, "My dearest queen," she read aloud. I pray to the good spirits that this letter reaches your hands. Zed shot to his feet. That's a message! Kalen frowned at him. Well, of course it is. It's his letter. He waved his thin hand. No, no! I mean, he's telling us something. I know, Richard. I know the way he thinks. He's telling us he fears that if someone were to get their hands on this letter, it might betray us. Or him. So he's warning us that he can't say everything he might like to. No, dude! That's just how you start a letter! My dearest queen, I pray to the good spirits that this letter reaches your hands. Like, that's not code, my dude! That's just how you start a letter! I... Like, just... You mean just because he's not using her name? Yeah, but I, I mean, why would? But why? But he could use her name. No, because then the death spell. Someone might see it, and the death spell might be undone. No, no cause, but cause the, no, they, no, they know no, 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 no. She's the queen of Galia. So, all right, yeah. shit. So yeah. <laughs> so I was like, that's just how you start a letter. That's not a code. I, I just, I thought that was stupid. I, there's so much shit that can be cut in this fucking book. I think Zed meant that he thought Richard was dumb enough to just write down Kaelin and that's it. And like, so the fact that he spent the extra effort to write out a proper greeting like that between nobility is the code. It. He's it pretending to be a politician, just like he's been pretending this whole time because he's not. He used anyway, to live in the woods like six months ago. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. Um, did Richard, oh yeah, I had a question that said, did Richard not know Marissa was evil? But then I, I didn't, I think I wrote that before I realized there was some magical shit going on with the cape and the yabri. Can we talk about that? Because that's another thing I don't think makes any sense. Yeah, I, I think we only, there's only like a couple more a little, I mean, th- n- uh, other than Zed being kidnapped by a- Anna, uh, who takes him to the Palace of the Prophets because she wants him to destroy it. And she's like, but I had to get you super pissed first. To like, follow, no, yeah. To follow, to the, follow prophecy. the prophecy. Yeah. She, and he's because, just like, and then Zed's like, well, no. And he's like, well, what about if Jagang's coming and using it? He's like, oh, yeah, sure, totally. But he can't even do it. So that was all completely pointless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that was the thing. Like, that's why those are so, I remembered that. I'm like, Nathan and a- Anna chapters, I just skimmed through. I'm like, yeah, they do a bunch of stuff that's all for naught like a lot of this but um you know there you go uh so yeah that that's about that's the only other thing i wanted to point out is how pointless all those chapters were all right so we're basically back to richard going into the sliff to fast travel to get to kaylin before tobias gets to her um and tobias already has her yeah but But he doesn't know he doesn't know that he's in the sliff trying to get to her still because he had, you know, Gratch hasn't come back yet, so he doesn't know for sure. So he, I, how no, no, he... a messenger brings word that Kalen has been captured by Brogan and taken south. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes to the Sliff and he ignores Burdine saying, Take off the cape. Take off the cape. He's like, No, I like it. The Marismith are my friends, is the exact quote. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then, uh... Uh, even though Burdine is translating this old journal and yeah. obviously, no, and, like, must have uncovered something and he just ignores her. And, like, she's got, like, big old cans, too. Like, yeah, we already know this. At this yeah, we point. have to. So he, yeah, if he's gonna listen to anyone in the world of this book, 
Like that, it's like, gonna wait, be Bernadine. Have they have they described the size well, of Bernadine's breasts? Yes. Yeah, they do it later. Really? Like, because Caitlin's like, yours are so much bigger than mine. Oh yeah, I forgot. Oh god. And she's like Fuck trolling me. her, and she like trolls Richard. He's like, you didn't know they were gay. He's like, uh, no, I totally did. I'm smart. <laughs> but anyway. so Richard goes to the Sliff's well. I just wanted to mention this. Like he like just throws a spirit bomb down the well. <laughs> so, like he he can all of a sudden summon magic again, and that's how he activates it. Yeah, he just, it's another thing that he can just know how to do and yep. does because he's Richard and therefore he's correct. So he just thinks hard and throws the Goku Jesus spirit bomb down the well and the Sliff is awake again. because but he, he can't j- bring the sword. Yeah. Be- so he like slams it into the ground. He, he fucking uh, Excaliburs it. I, I wrote Richard's sword in the stones it. <laughs> yes. I, said, I, I said, oh God, I forgot that he Excalibured the sword of truth. That's a better um, verb. Yours is better. He's so strong and such a good guy that he literally slams this sword into stone, solid and, stone. And so horny for Kalen. Yeah. And so horny for Kalen. That's um, his last thought. Yeah. So, so the, okay, everything. so, so I guess at this point we should say that we, un, we, the whole book, we know there's something up with the Mriswith and they clearly have their own agenda, but we never really know what it is. And then all of a sudden it comes to fruition right at yeah. the end when... Which, all at once, just like boom, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. So, so Richard goes through the sliff, which again is that like quicksilver, feminine shaped, fast travel weird shit that he finds in the wizard's keep, and um, he's wearing the cape, and when he comes out of the sliff on the other side, which again he didn't even know where it was gonna bring him, right? Like he, knows he it was goes just to Tanimura, but that's about it. Yeah. yeah, like he wasn't sure exactly where he was gonna pop out. He so knew he was near comes, the palace, at least. He comes out of it, and there's a bunch of Mariswith and Marissa is there, one of the sisters of the dark, and he's just like, Oh hey, what's up? And she's like, Sup, take this Yabri, and he's like, Cool. And I was like, wait, does he not know that Marissa's evil? And and the whole Yabri thing, I didn't understand quite why having the uh, the Yabri as a Pantera claw, apparently, as I learned early in this episode. I don't understand why him holding that weapon mind controls him. I think it's more the cape. I think the cape is like the initial thing that's fucking with him. But the like, cape hasn't bothered him up until now. It's been bothering him the whole... That's why he has a thing on the back of his neck that he keeps itching. And then there's, Wait. like, the scene where uh, I think Burdine gets a poultice for him. And she's like, I know it's going to be extra good because she put my period blood in it. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, I'm like, I couldn't make that shit up. <laughs> like, yeah, no, he's got, like, this, like, itchy thing on the back of his neck. Like, it's, like, it's told and explained later that, like, Merswith are wizards who, like, traded something of their humanity and power or whatever yeah, to become yeah. invisible. And apparently, this is not explained, if you put on the cape and wear it too long or whatever, you'll start to turn into one. So, like, that's the initial hook in him. And then the the knife makes it worse. But, yeah, he goes from, like, basically normal to, like, stoned off that. Yes, yes. Okay, that's that's what like, I'm saying. There's no gradual change, so yeah. it didn't make any sense. He's I didn't just make all the of a connection. sudden off that loud. <laughs> yeah, he comes and, out of and the slip. He's like, "Whoa, dude, I'm tripping." <laughs> yeah, and I don't understand if if no. traveling in the and the other thing that doesn't make any sense is like he can't bring the sword of truth through the slip, but he can wear the Merswith cape. Uh, I think I th- yeah, I think 
Well, Sword of Truth is like very big dick as far as a magical object. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's because it, it's because it's the wrong kind of magic, right? It's because it's no, it's got additive and subtractive in it. Uh, so I, well they, then, they could have given themselves an easy out. That well, way. then I, I don't like, know. You two hash this shit out. And it's just... But why does? But it seems like the Yabri. And again, I hate that name. It's such a stupid name for a fucking like a weapon. Toy. Yeah. No, it sounds like it sounds like you're like, ah, oh, Yabri, my boy, Yabri. You know, to me it sounds like, like something just... I put in my butt. Oh, that's not. It doesn't sound like a butt thing to me. It sounds like someone's stupid nickname in Southie. Like, well, I don't like... have the other one, Parish. <laughs> I put it in there too if I could. Um, but I, I just don't understand. <laughs> like. Why? It seems to me like the Yabris are the thing that really kind of make him. It's the big fat blunt. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like totally change his mind. She's about to hand him two and that's like a cross joint. Yeah. (laughs) It requires Marissa and Richard to light. (laughs) I I just don't get it. Does that make the Um, sliff like the hot box car that you sit in to like. (laughs) Yeah. This, 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 no, but Paris is like not wrong. This all comes to a head. Like I have chapter by chapter. It's like five chapters where this all just happens at once. Like he comes out of the sliff and it's like, hey, here's the thing. The old queen is dying and the new one wants to go in the sliff. And he's like, totally. So I'll break that shield right there. Right. And it's like, yeah, exactly. I was like, what? 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 Don't do that for the evil giant monster that's full of eggs. Yeah, <laughs> like, and also, what? and also, didn't you love? I I have a note that says, "Well, at least he didn't fuck the wrist with Queen." You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they would have made it like humanoid, that would have been a danger. Uh, yeah, but um, why can he understand pheromone communication from the wrist with Queen? Do we have an answer for that? I just wrote he it communicates via smells and noises, so I don't really. Know. Well, no, because because it was like he smelled something and, and it knew exactly what it translated to in English. Um, and then secondly, if Merswith are just like they just get changed into lizard folk by wearing the capes, what is up with this giant queen that's hatching eggs? Yeah, that what that was because if the explanation <laughs> that is the. I get. I. I don't. I, yeah. Why? You I, guys, I, I've got nothing. Like I got like a real so much wheel of, this, of but... dumb magic shit that you guys are just struggling to explain. Yeah. I have no. Spoken. I got nothing for this. Why there's a damn queen? Like it's just like so the dudes turn into wizards and what they like shit out eggs eventually. I don't. And then, and the women turn into yeah giant queen. I think I, I think the the thing was that like they a bunch of eggs came out of the old queen and they said and one of them was a new queen. So it's like one of those like bee things where like eventually like it's much more rare to have a female but but there's no reason why they would go from wizards turned into a creature to like a thing that lays eggs. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I it's, just, it's, <laughs> it's the it's the stupidest thing in this whole book. I I don't know. I don't know. I almost called you Terry. Oh no. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know, Terry J. Uh, I, I, I am know. embarrassing myself. Um <laughs> oh, I got I've got some I've got some small other notes. Um there is there is the big fight between Lunetta, Brogan and what is it? Kay, does Kaylin murder them? I forget. Um, oh, I actually have the order. Like I wrote the order cuz it's like oh, a yeah. hilarious 
thing. Like, so Kalen and Aidy like spring a trap on them that just involves whacking them over the head with a log. Like, <laughs> like literally, she they just smash both of them. Kalen just goes whack, whack. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> okay, all right. And then like, there's this really stupid section where Brogan's basically like the de- the the creator is actually the devil i'm the creator now it's like it sounds like a dumb anti-religion sketch from like the 90s it's like this is what christians are like it's like okay man but then in a weird saint chain of events like they find out lunetta is actually pretty because they take off like her weird clothes and she's like they describe her as an attractive older woman they had to put in the jab they had to call her an older oh, they couldn't yeah. just say she... she's actually attractive it's like an older woman and then uh, you know tobias it. is furious that she looks decent it's like you're not pretty you're ugly he's like no i'm sorry bro i just have a look and then it's revealed that brogan actually has the gift and the reason that lunetta is always touching her gift is basically to stop Tobias from doing anything with his and, and honestly so- I did feel like that was a really good reveal like I yeah. didn't suspect that shit at all I was like oh fuck the reverse glamour on Lunetta and then Brogan having the gift I was like ooh that's very Lindsey Graham I really <laughs> like that reveal <laughs> yeah yeah it's like the nice. homophobe who's actually gay is like the anti-magic guy starts throwing lightning bolts at yeah. the professor yeah, and he's and like, on- <laughs> he keeps turning around like Lunetta that was you it's like Nah, who smelt the Delta? Yeah. <laughs> well, no. You're throwing gotta, it out of your own hands. Yeah. I gotta say, though, I was like, wow, I'm actually impressed with that reveal. I thought that was great. Yeah, that's a I was like, one. damn, this was good. Decent one. But uh, so Brogan kills Lunetta, and then Galtero, his guy who likes rape more than consensual sex, he slits Lunetta's throat, and then Kalen stabs him. And it's literally right. in the span of one paragraph that all that happens. Right. So uh, then that that's the end of that. That took 49 whole chapters for them to dispatch that uh, enemy. So that's rare for this book that usually takes like two or three. So, Yeah. And very cartoonish too, right? First you got the log hits and then just everyone kind of like stabbing each other in a line until yeah, no one's left Lunetta with Kalen. Lunetta is just like, boink, like sends a needle through his heart and then is immediately has her throat cut by Galtero, and then Kaylin puts him through with a sword. It's like... We're done with the villains for this book, and with the book in general, because, I mean, all that happens is Richard goes back to Aiden Drill. There's a Marizwith army attacking, and he he feels like he's going to be overwhelmed when he's in his, like, rage horniness with the Sword of Truth. Oh, wait, hey, I have one last note. I have one... Oh, sorry, I have a note about the fight. Yeah, because Zed, Zed tries to destroy the Palace of the Prophet, Prophets, but can't. So he sets some sort of trap bomb or whatever. And then, like, Kaylin and Richard finally meet up, uh, but he almost kills her. Like, I, I wrote down, these yeah. two morons are made for each other. Yes. Uh, and then, like, so Richard wants to go get a book from the vault so much that he risks both of their lives just to go get it. Like there's an, there's an Indiana Jones ass sequence where there's this light that keeps trying to kill them. And I felt extra stupid for not realizing that was Zed's spell. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's like, Oh, ah, ironic. He said it. And then he sets it off. Palace and prophets explodes. Uh, In between this is the stupid ass sisters thing where they swear devotion to Richard, uh, in a way that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, uh, but Anne and Zed are like looking at the palace, like, Oh word, it destroyed it. Cool. And, um, 
Then right before Richard and Kaylin about to get in the sliff, this is when Kaylin gives Richard the hall pass, sort of. She's like, right. I forgive you for being with Marissa. You you were alone and thought I was never coming back. He's like, nuh-uh. He's like, oh, well, well never mind. It's like, imagine that guy's feelings. He's like, I could have fucked all those women and she would have been fine with it. <laughs> like, all of them? <sighs> all right. Um, but, uh, you're talking about the fight between Marissa and Richard. No, the fight between Lunetta and all them. Oh, there sorry. is a point where I someone ahead, I forget there's I forget who says it, but someone yells at Lunetta, Your name means little moon <laughs> And I was like, Why are we yelling this in this fight right now? What I, the fuck was the point of that? I think it's eighty is from the same place as them. That's uh, but I can't oh, tell if it's eighty right. or Kaylin who yells it, but then they say after that at eighty like like Lunetta was crying and AD was like talking to her in her native tongue to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. console You're... her. That's and, like, true. I think that is a very stupid line. I don't understand. Yeah, like I just it just seemed dumb. Like, what um, if she was like, "I know that I'm not stupid." <laughs> I know yeah, what and means. yeah, and I don't know. And then also, if it's supposed to be some weird other language, why is it so ob- like we can understand that Lunetta means little moon? What it like? It's not like it's in some. I mean, I guess unless they're like, oh, that foreign tongue is Italian. <laughs> I, I just thought that was strange. Um. Anyway, my other notes are my other short notes are feeling pretty weird about Anne murking a pregnant lady. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. man. Yeah. There's a pregnant sister who is kind of not guarding, but sort of just sitting at the entrance to the. The vault where all the the um, prophecies are, and Anne is with Zed, and Anne just kills her, just stabs her, and and they talk about it, and Anne is like, "Well, anyone who was loyal would have been gone by now. Therefore, I feel fine about this." And I was like, oh, "But she also okay. says why she shouldn't because like she wasn't able to talk to Verna about whether you know the loyal people actually did leave yet." Yeah. Because Zed is such a like he. Keep, I love Zed. Zed's my favorite character by a lot, and he was the whole time that she had him under his control. She just he just fucks with her. Like he put like he invented like he conjured up mites to go in their sleeping bags. And yeah, much yeah. less funny. He triggered her like journey book that she used to talk to Verna to like basically explode if she uses it again. Yeah, <laughs> and that's but... why she has to kill the pregnant lady. So she like like says to Zed like it's kind of your fault, and he's like <sighs> bags. Yeah, and I just thought that was a really weird point that they sort of gloss over. Like they don't really talk about it in depth, and I was just surprised that Terry yeah, got spells would have... to do. Come on, yeah, move it. Really? yeah, and kill that pregnant lady. Throw yeah. her aside. I, like I just thought it was an odd choice. Um, yeah, why even have that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if it's if it's him trying to be nuanced, he didn't do a very good job of it. Um, and to kill a pregnant lady. How about yeah. that, fuckers? So it just <laughs> it just kind of stuck in my mind. Um, hey, I was really happy for Verna and Warren. Just gonna. Yeah. say that it made the, uh, the earlier thing where they had conversations about when you weren't like looking like this i thought i might want to get a little piece of that like it makes that whole exchange earlier in the book like yeah a and then they, less creepy they finally are like hey i like you even though you're old or young and you're like cool uh but warren actually says like i don't see any wrinkles like yeah like, yeah if she's 40 there's a good yeah. chance she maybe thank has you warren lines. Thanks, Warren. Yeah, I really like, like Warren. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> he appreciates we older women. It's like, like 40 isn't that. I mean, there's plenty of... I perfect. know. It's like, does your skin sag? I'm like, it's 40. Like, 
Come I know. On. Um. Oh yeah, and then uh, hey Terry, I don't need to be reminded twelve times what Fuergriso Ostralka yeah. means. Richard it's is such been a clear fucking the whole time. Thing. Yeah. Richard's also, always, it's... he's just showing up all the time, going like, "I am the the killer of all, destroyer of worlds, bringer of death." But okay, so but here's the thing. He he. Every time it comes up, he's like, "It means this." I'm like, "Yeah, I yes. remember from last time." And also, it sounds dumb, and you should feel bad about it. It's I a stupid the last phrase. Time, like you you said those words, and then spent two more paragraphs describing how exactly he is that thing when it's clear from context. And these are also the same two paragraphs you've done like three times in the same book. Every time yep. he goes and fucks shit up, which those are the only decent scenes. Like whenever I would read the, like when Richard's killing all the Marist with and stuff like, Oh, this is how like 15 year old me would write an action sequence. Like yeah. it's, it's, but it's very edgelord. I was very much mm -hmm. an edgelord at 15. So I'm just like, Oh yeah. Whenever, whenever he's about to fight, he's like, I am death. <laughs> it's like, okay, buddy. You can see him yeah. like, oh, I wish this sort of truth was a katana instead. That would be so much cooler. Yeah. Well, he cuts his own arm half the time. He didn't in this book because he was already covered in blood, but that's usually his move to like slice it across himself so it tastes the blood. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. He did do that at one point in this book. He was like, yeah, I need some, I need to feed it with some blood. And I was like, wow, kill me. Uh, I don't know. I also, there's. I, one of my major overall notes is I hate that all these strong women end up serving the good guy white male savior. The recitation on page 571 feels like a death knell. Because <laughs> you have all these sisters who what are these are powerful, independent women. Yeah, but I'm saying that sucks. <laughs> that the main, the main protagonist in this book just takes everyone under his power and everyone loses, kind of loses their independence and agency. Fuck that. This sucks. I hate it. I mean, <laughs> I, yes, they they are trying to like you know survive, and I mean, I, 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 the particular thing about him being white, I'm like, okay, let's hold on to it. Everyone in these books are white. You cannot be making racial distinctions about anyone because this is a world where black people do not exist. There's well, no but, brown people. Yeah, but that I mean, but that in itself is a commentary, right? That the author just didn't even write them in. Um, from a fantasy book from 25 years ago where the guy has his pants around his ankles the whole time he's writing it. Yeah. I, I, I give him oh, a I know it's on the oh, I... racial nuance. <laughs> I mean, I know it's very predictable. It doesn't make it any more fun to read. Um... Well, there is one person who's mildly described as ethnic. Really? Yeah, I, I have. Let me have the, the I have the quote. It's Sister Philippa, who I just kept putting an I in in her name. So it's Sister Filipina. Because he keeps trying, he describes her as exotic and high cheekbones. Like, oh, weird. I like over and like every time he's like, is this him trying to like, it's cool, man. We know everyone's white. You don't like gotta, uh, all right. Yeah, just keep, okay. Exotic and high cheekbones. All right. It's huh. kind of worse that you're not just like describing what <laughs> yeah. the hell she is. Uh, Are you yeah, trying to I say there's know. Asians in your world, Terry? That's a slippery slope. I don't know. But I guess, I guess, I mean, I, you know, I'll concede your point that honestly, doesn't matter if he was white or black or green. <laughs> um, the good guy, male savior, still it still sucks that all these women with who previously had independence and agency have to literally bow down and pledge allegiance to this. All guy. these women are explicitly sworn to serve 
an yeah. invisible god that may or may not exist. So I wouldn't say they yeah. have exactly a ton of agents. I understand your point uh, completely, but I just like to nitpick about these these characters who have just been spending literally hundreds of years like in a convent, like serving men already like that's their whole job and has been for centuries so yeah i guess i guess that's true because they see the creator is male right uh they damn well better <laughs> Jesus. in, in the world, world of the book in the world yeah. of the book i'm not saying that i'm saying no i know i know um, i imagine a woman being like what if god's a woman immediately well, thrown out in the but street. i guess i get but i guess at least in their yeah, I don't know. Maybe you have a point. Fuck me. Everything. They have terrible. queens. They have lots. They have queens. Queens are a thing. So, like, yeah. But if, I mean, if the main, if the only religion that they really have is is basically this take on Christianity, then it, yeah, it all the nothing matters. Well, at least they get to see the devil sometimes. Like, at least they know that guy exists. <sighs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, we never see the creator. Um, like, okay, that's real. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I so I guess I guess honestly, if anything, that just kind of proves me more right that like, yeah, it, we're all. Everyone in this book is just ah uh, yes, ah uh, yes, male savior. Bad. Whether whether up in the heavens or here on earth, it's all this this powerful male savior. Shit. Whether in the earth below or the skies above or the deepest darkest reaches of the sea, you better have a penis if you want to rule. <laughs> yep. I mean, we're talking about a book series where the original bad guy ruler of Dahara was named Panis. Rawl. Oh my god! I just choked on coffee. Thank you. So this isn't a series of subtlety. His the two the two Rawls before Richard were Panis and Darken. Okay, it's not. <laughs> there's no subtlety to the symbology. Don't, don't forget about the grandfather Rapey. Yeah, that's true. Well, the grandfather Rapey Rawl. Yeah. <laughs> no, the grandfather wasn't. What was no, of course not. No, it's a joke. It's, it's a joke. Oh, oh sorry. No. I- yeah, although you I believed it so for a mad. second in the world <laughs> so like, there's a rapey raw like in the world where darken is a name like, yeah. <laughs> r-a-p-i yeah, okay. Uh, um okay um, i'm really sorry but can i bring us back to the sliff i have more questions yeah, this yeah is... you, didn't you wonder about how like the marissa fight because that's where i am like okay yeah context. so like they're about to go in would... the sliff and marissa's like well they go through the sliff richard and kaylin and then marissa comes in like after yeah, so before Richard and Kaylin go in, my question, my two questions are, because at this point, Kaylin still has the the rod of Han, the collar on. I said, why would they not try to take her collar off before traveling? And two, why is she grabbing his ankle? Ah. Yeah, that's, I think, like, he already pulled off Kaylin's uh, collar before that. but No, um, no, it's no. still on. No, he, uh, I have, in chapter 50, when they first, meet up with each other again they make out for a second and then he destroys the collar and then they're good no i mean but she had it on when they traveled through the slip right no what he destroyed it when they first like meet up with each other and she's like richard how'd you do that like she does every fucking time he does anything and he's like it it turned to powder in his hands or whatever the fuck oh Um, i i guess i'm somehow mixed that up in time okay uh yeah no i i made notes because like dumb i'm dumbass kaylin runs off from verna before she can take the collar off it pissed me off so much that it made me somehow even more angry when richard took it off like five pages later like i was just like so what's an important whatever whatever (laughs) okay well all right i guess fuck me i got that wrong uh i just remember 
thinking, why does she still have the collar on when they go through it? Because it's a magical thing. Anyway, I don't know. I guess I... I, guess I, was well, I think wrong. the Moving question on. did y'all have a question about how he kills Marissa? I yes, I That's was like why does why yeah. does stabbing the sliff hurt Marissa? That's what I didn't understand. Cuz um, uh, for some inexplicable reason Marissa is like standing in the sliff this whole time, like a fucking boss battle with a stationary boss and like oh. instead of like stepping out of it and we've already been like advised from the sliff like hey, you can't bring that sword in here. If the sword goes in me, you'll die. So I think Richard just remembered that. And then there's this, like, misdirect of uh, Richard saying his hand extended, his fingers touched it when Marissa's, like, handing him the second Yabri when he's about to go full-on stoner and, like, do whatever. And then at the last second, he grabs the Sword of Truth instead because uh, it says it's a need he knew well. And then he just shoves the short Sword of Truth in the sliff and she dies. That always confused me as a kid, too. I had to... I did the same thing I did years and years ago. Was I have to reread that section like a half dozen times before I was like, oh, yeah, because you can't put the thing in the, the – sli- okay, yeah. Okay. But I guess, oh, okay. yeah, I, I also <laughs> was like, well, the only reason that makes sense is if she were standing in it, but I just didn't feel like they had ever established that. So Yeah, that's the thing. You have to reread like the, la- the last two pages to be like uh, – like it, it's very clear – while not being very clear that she's standing in it, like she floated closer offering the Yabri to him. So like, mm. that was the phrase, like soonest the other stuff. Like I wrote in my notes, cause I figured that's what you guys were wondering about. Cause again, it's confused me for years, but she never reads the sliff. But why, why be so coy about that? I don't know. Why doesn't she just step out of the fucking sliff? Why is she standing in like well, basically and, water? Like there's no power yeah, gained. Like right. Get like out of why the fucking water? Why is she standing in it? And also, why would he be so in? Why would he not actually come out and say that? It just is a weird problem right at the Paris, end of the book. Paris, what? Terry's a bad writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. His books my are bad. I, I have over a decade of not understanding the same part. I don't know what to tell speaking, you. Speaking of Terry's a bad, Terry is a bad writer with plots. Um, I kind of want to talk about how Terry's a good writer in other ways, but when it comes to stories, bad. Deus ex gratina. Can we talk about that at the yeah. end? So after Marissa gets murked, they just go to the city of Idendril and Mriswith are just fucking the Daharans up bad. And they, th- Richard does his fourth der furious das Kruka or whatever the fuck speech and then Foreign. he kills a lot of them yeah and then he thinks he's about to die and scratch to the rescue with his garmi that he raised <laughs> somehow Gratch just shows up with all the other guards that i don't know maybe he just told all of them hey i know this really cool guy he lets me kill Marisbeth all the time, and I bet I could help you guys kill Marisbeth. Just follow me. And that's and, exactly what he does. He <laughs> says it's explicitly stated that, like, what he does. Like, yes, Gars have had relationships with wizards for thousands of years. It's like, okay. Surprise! Yeah, yeah, because th- it's basically like, oh, no, Richard's in this hopeless situation. How is he ever going to get out of it? Kaylin's here now fighting, even though she was supposed to hide, and they're all going to die, and then it's just like... You know, JK. the fucking Gratch yeah. army. <laughs> just like just every other falls, fucking conflict in this book. Falls from the heavens and saves them all. Yeah, it's just stupid. Um, I don't know. And I was I basically was like, God. And that's that's the point in the book where we find out that 
Gars were created by wizards as a solution from Riswith, and I was like, God, it's fucking Australia up in here. You're bringing in other weird animals to fight the first weird animal, and then you gotta bring in a third weird thing because the second weird thing got out of control in a different way. It's Australia here. It is bad. And now it's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's just, it just ends with more useless titillation when. Uh, the no, but Berdeen like jumps on him and dry humps him. Yeah, like, like, it's she's like, like oh, I, 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 I sort of like I see why they're like playful and stuff. It kind of makes sense a little bit, like just in generalities. But like that was just like weird because a lot of these books I didn't read expressly closely before. So that scene I like read very closely. Like so she's straddling him and like she was dunking his head in a fountain. Like who like, straddles their friends? Who straddles yeah. their friends? No yeah. one. And like pulls his shirt up being like, you smell. It's just like yeah. weird. It was very strange. And then there's that whole scene. Yeah. Where Colin's like, Ugh, touch your breasts or whatever she fucking says. Well, let's try um, to taunt her by being like, Lord Raw has seen all of our breasts. He's, yeah, and pretty, he's like, he's even touched mine. It's like, they fit great over my boobs. Yeah. And Caitlin's like, I think Raina's would fit better. And everyone's like, oh, this bitch is fun. We're going to keep her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's real dumb. And it just plays into that whole, it plays into a lot of shitty stereotypes about what a cool girlfriend is. Um, Oh, okay. Also, is it me or is it super gross that Kaylin wears Denna's Ajeel? I know we haven't talked about Ajeel's or Denna this entire time, but is that not weird? I wouldn't want to wear my, like, my boyfriend's ex-rape girlfriend's weapon that she tortured and raped him with. Yeah, because that's, like, Richard's nope. like the ultimate good guy and, like, like oh, Kalen's the only one for him. Is like, nah, he, he got it really on. with Like, that was why he has a magic penis in the first book, because it's not just Kalen, like, this torture magic lady whose whole purpose in life is to, uh, like, sexually torture men. Like, his dick is so good that she'll just be like, I won't torture you this time. I just want the regular D this evening. And, like, that, and that's... It, he kills her because of that. And then Kaylin wears her torture device around her neck. And we didn't talk about like the last book hardly at all, but a thing we did get caught up on. I remember was, uh, Denna comes back from the underworld. Denna is the Mord Sith who tortured Richard. And like, she tells Kaylin all the things she did to Richard to like, make her understand for some reason. I can't remember, but at a certain point, Kaylin just vomits. Yes. And, I think I might have hypothesized that it must have been like she put it in his pee hole. But That's what I thought, too. Yeah. But there's also another scene in this, this book where a different woman vomits from unspecified torture. Uh, like, they're talking huh. about what the Sister of, of the Dark are doing to the crew of the Lady oh, Sifa. Oh, yeah. That's right. And, like, this woman's was like, I, I, can't, I can't even tell you. They're so unspeakable. And I'm like... Terry just doesn't ha- can't come up with anything good that would make someone throw up. I mean, you honestly, I'm I'm kind of relieved. Yeah, <laughs> I will say like, I'm not. I don't know. Hope he comes up with that later, but I don't just like why mention it. It's like uh, I can't think of it. But any, but anyway, like my main point is why would your fiance wear the device that was used to rape you around her neck? Because that's how she's extra cool girlfriend, like you said. Because she's. She understands that you kind of liked that. Well, no, I think it's because Denna became good after she died and was a spirit and helped them and helped them have astral sex. But I, 
that is all also weird. Why is any of this? It's God seems so unhealthy. Jesus. Okay. Uh, so anyway. that's pretty much the end of the book. The only thing that happens after that is Zed is hanging out in a in a bar eating beans. As he eats many beans throughout this book. I don't know if you guys mm, remember beans. This wizard eating beans. beans all the time. <laughs> he's Zed's constantly eating beans, and he's doing it one last time at the very end of the book. And he's got that Radahan yeah, like still beans. on him, and then he yeah, just takes beans. it off because I guess Radahans don't work anyway. So what's the fucking point of anything, Terry? Fuck off. Wait, so yeah, so then what the question is, why did he keep it on that whole time? And because remember he was doing magic even though he had the Radahan on, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. He's trying um, to see where so, it was going. <laughs> I, I mean, I I guess, but that seems like a hell of a gamble. Um, but also, why go along with that plan, pretending to not have any agency? I don't. Better to be around to keep an eye on this crazy lady who's like trying to kidnap the first wizard and use him, than to have her loosed into the world doing God well, knows what. Uh, I guess. Well, yeah, but <laughs> but why do you have to pretend to? He was clearly using his powers around her, so I don't understand why you needed to keep the ruse up. Of yeah, having it, the Radahan. It, so it was so funny when Anne was asking that herself. Like, I don't know how he does it. I'm like, do you think maybe you just don't have any power over him and he, he's fucking with you? Like, well, and and like <laughs> like Chris said, fuck this because why would that? Why would it not work on one person? And why is Richard able to just rip it off of Colin? Kalen. Well, he has subtractive magic, and the person who put it on didn't. So he can do because he has subtractive. He can fuck up a lot of shit. Is that really why, though? Yeah. I mean, for a lot of... I assume it follows the same rules as, like, all those sh- uh, shields in the keep that he can just walk through and no one else can. Just because, like, it's like... Yeah, it, it uh, that's how it works. Oh, my God. I forgot about the shields. That he can take someone else with him through the shields if yeah. he touches them. I offhandedly bone down in the basement. Yeah, I offhandedly mentioned it before as one of the things that he can just pass through uh... because he can think about it, which is, once again, the whole fucking problem with this series is that everything... It, Richard just can solve conflicts without thinking about it, and it's unearned. And that's my final point for this whole fucking episode here, is that this series sucks specifically because of that, and almost purely because of that. Oh, that's right. They also changed the name of the Jala game, and now it's named after Richard, because everything has to be about Richard all the fucking time. It's now like Jala Rawl or something, right? I forget. Uh, but yeah, let's talk. All right. In summary, Chris, you've got a screed at the end here. Go ahead. It was I kind of condensed it down to the point that I just made, honestly. But oh. the I will say the major problem with the series, again, it doesn't highlight the conflicts I want it to. It'll just cut them off a chapter later. The whole Catherine thing, like I said before, could have been much longer and more drawn out. Or, or same thing with Birdine even being mind controlled. That wasn't even a problem for Richard. It was yeah. just instantly yeah, that revealed. Was, that was so weird and like, solved no. within pages. Like, she didn't do anything to mess with his plans or anything. Like what? Did, what was? What happened because she was under that same spell? Like what negative thing? I did nothing. Not see anything. Nothing happened. It just gets solved immediately. You know, she even killed him with the agile, like yeah. easily. Well, he's sleeping. I know. You could even even the sisters of the dark, like maybe they're plotting longer, or it's a tougher thing to figure out about how they can get un- out from under Jagang's mind control. Uh, that could have been a more extended thing, but they just disappear for three hundred pages and pop up again at the end to make the oath to Richard, and that problem is solved. 
So that's not even that's another reason why that felt so shitty to me because also I didn't get to see them figure that shit out that great. And so it all feels so unearned and so pointless and there's just little to no through line conflicts. And the only thing that really has that is the Verna chapters. And and she doesn't even find the Sisters of the Dark. Exactly. So. Right. And then right. once again, while we're here, I'll just throw in my little aside about how prophecies in any fantasy book suck. Because it, first of all, spoilers. Second of all, in a, in a series like this where there is just a bunch of bullshit prophecies. So you're really you're just sifting through a bunch of things where people said shit at random and some of them could be real. How is that a prophecy thing? How, how can I not just set that up and just... Well, that is what people do, right? They, they I know the future and maybe some of them are right a little bit. By just pure chance, all of this is just unearned. It's it's unearned and not well developed. And I I don't, I really don't like this series. Yeah, the, you you shouldn't read more. Honestly, like I can just tell you what happens. Like, <laughs> like nah, I think we've sat along here here long enough already. No, no, I'm just yeah. saying like not now. I just mean like in general. It's okay, like, you want to know Later. like. He becomes God at the end. The end. <laughs> like, yeah. literally, what happens? So. <clears throat> yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, what was really... What was really gained in this third book? Yeah. Nothing. Other than Richard just becoming cooler of a guy. The Garmy? Um, is he, though? He's kind of like a like a big, tall, tough Ben Shapiro. <laughs> like, oh, no. I'm not saying in reality. I'm yeah. saying in the, se- in the world of the series. I shall use facts and logic and the sword of truth. <laughs> Fuck me. Ben Rawl. Um, the, the... Ben, <laughs> ben Rawl Piro. Yeah. Ben Shapiro. Um, ah, ben there it is. Shapiro. You got it. Uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, like this is sort of, a, Chris pointed this out, it's sort of a time filler book in this series. Like mm-hmm. some things happen, sure. Richard gets... Uh, you know, the official master of Dahara thing and gets access to the keep and whatever. But like, I don't know how much progress have we really made? It's like, it just doesn't seem like a whole lot of things happened. And maybe it feels that way because nothing is really, all the solutions aren't really earned. That's even it. A lot the whole of thing things... is just Richard's bar mitzvah. Yeah. Like, Today you are a man. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole 600 page book. But that, but that Paris, you, you touched on it perfectly because everything feels so unearned. Even Richard's leveling up that happened here. It feels useless because he just knows how to do shit. So why do, wouldn't I just expect in the next few books that he just knows how to solve those problems without having to figure it out or do any work for it? Yeah, like it doesn't seem. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's what is my reason after reading book three to read book four? If if I know that everyone of meaning is never going to really die, if I know that Richard can always immediately figure out all problems, if there's never any real danger or or really a central mystery, it's like, why do I bother continuing with the series? Yeah, when you're on, like, the seventh book and he's still fighting the Imperial Order in Jagang and there's all these long, like, he literally gives, like, libertarian speeches to people in the old world about how, like, communism is bad and capitalism is good. Like, what, like other than the next book ending by him beating the villain by punching him in the stomach and pulling out his spine Mortal Kombat style, oh my there's God. not really anything worthwhile, I would say. Uh, like I said, I like book six because it actually 
puts Richard in danger and has some stakes, but I am yeah. absolutely not going to read four and five to get there. I'm going to read book one to see if it's a, if there's some stakes. I can't remember, but that's it. <laughs> um, the only the only the only other point I wanted to make was just that sometimes Terry's writing is decent, and I think that that can trick a lot of people into reading this series. So. You know, it's not it's not a series that's like full of typos or awkward sentences. Um I think it it passes the low bar for like, hey, this is this is pretty digestible, you know? Yeah. Um and I think for that reason people might be more inclined to think it's good. Um It's competent. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But not really. Again, once the next few books, it gets less and less yeah. competent. And like, okay, who's the uh, Marxist girl in college who hurt you, Terry? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm just talking about, uh, I guess, the technicality of the writing and um, oh, I meant to the ask phrasing about and that. things like that. Uh, you guys would know better than me. Are long run-on sentences like common in fantasy? Is it like a thing, like where they just go, like you know, full paragraphs that are one sentence. I mean, like, if if you use the right punctuation, it it can be fine. I mean, yeah, it happens it can, in philosophy a whole but, lot. Yeah, um, but not uh, in. It depends. It's writer to writer. It's different. Having read a lot of fantasy books in this quarantine period, uh, no, Terry is a big offender of the run on sentence. Yeah, it's like okay, you describe that same thing three different ways. I get it. Yeah, I mean, I just think that I don't know. I. <sighs> I like and like like TJ pointed out this book was written in 94 96 96 it was you know copyrighted in 96 so and we're talking mid 90s here when it was written so um yeah obviously it was a different time and I get that you know that's how many years ago now um but I just think that there have also been plenty of really good books that don't have these problems that were written at the same time or well before it. Like um, the other 24 books in this series. The what? There's 24 books in this series. I just counted them in the front oh, of the book. God, okay. I didn't know he did that many. Oh, that's too many. But, huh. um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that there are plenty of great fantasy books out there from the past that don't have these problems, so I don't necessarily want to hand wave away uh, these no. issues. And any of my but... defenses like are just like pedantic and having fun. Like it's bad and gross and yeah. lots of other things that like just yeah. There's better things to spend your time reading for sure. So um, so can I'm, we fix it? Uh, I want to skip over can we fix it because I don't think we can, Paris. Yeah, and, no, I, no. and I want to do you a wrote separate. Twenty-four books. I want to play a separate game, Paris. Oh. So we're we're not going to fix it because the f magic system is fundamentally broken, as is the way the conflicts are written entirely. So I would like to play this game with you, Paris, and this is kind of for me and you only. TJ is going to feel a little bit left out right here. That's cool. We uh, recently read another blood-based fantasy book, uh, The Law of Blood. So, Paris, I want you and I to compare Maradonia and Sword of Truth. They're very oh. similar, especially in these third books of the series. Number one, protagonists that are always correct and know how to do shit just because they are the protagonist and know how to do shit. Oh, my God. Chris, you're blowing my mind right now because I think you're right. The final mind blow. <laughs> Um, you know, magic rules that make no sense and always just get solved a couple chapters later by some other deus ex magica 
thing happening. Yeah. Okay. Um, I Maradonia didn't have people that were anti-magic necessarily, I think. No, not no. I don't think so. Uh, they just had different kinds of evil magic. Everyone kind of had magic. Well, you know, black so and white different. characters is another thing. That's oh, very, 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 yeah, gender, gender and, se- and like, gender and, um, uh, fuck, Morality. sexuality, binary, yeah. um, everything. Moral very, binaries, too. Moral binary, yep. Um, hmm. That's enough, I think, because those are the big structural points, I would say, that make them pretty similar in execution. Because, you know, Terry's definitely a better writer. Oh, yeah, I would say it would, it, would, it would be very cruel to say that his work bears any resemblance um, in the in the technical writing aspect, like you said, mechanically, to... But plot-wise, they have the exact same failings. So, <laughs> really, quality-wise, wow. we, would I wouldn't want to read either because of that, because there's just no stakes to anything in either of these worlds. Yeah, and um, there's also... Like the the main characters having plot armor and uh, not and being just ridiculous, you know, like when Richard's like, "I am the death and the way," and I'm gonna I'm gonna give my sword some blood and let it have some blood. Yeah, like, Joey does like that shit dumb, too all the time. Yeah, it's as, as dumb as the Joey shit and and Maya shit in this and and Law of Blood. Um, also, both have a third book about with blood in the title, so you know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I wow. I I didn't really think about this beforehand, so No, I didn't want it to be a long lengthy thing. I just wanted to point out the obvious, like I said, structural similarities between how these books are approached in terms of plot setup and resolution. Which is a major be... part of a story. That's like the thing yeah. with stories, right? Yeah, I mean at least the I think at least uh the world of sort of truth stuff makes a little more sense overall, just like in terms of geography. Sure, yeah, I'll give and, it that. Um, and I do think, like TJ pointed out, I do think Zed is actually kind of a decent character in some ways. Like he's fun to read about. I like him. He made a likable character. Um, I know I'm really reaching here, <laughs> but uh, whereas in Maradonia, nothing, nothing sounds like a person. It sounds like a weird robot, weird broken robot wrote that thing. So, all right. Well, I think that's it. Unless anyone has anything else to say about this. Oh, I don't hey, know. T- Chris, TJ. Uh, what does it mean in audacity? If your cursor turns red, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. As long as your waveform is <laughs> still going, then we should yeah, be fine. Like, I just turned red. I think you're just telling me you, 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 you wrapping it up, buddy. Yeah. So let's wrap it up, Paris. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, thank you for surviving this extremely long ass episode of Terrible Book Club. Thank you to our patrons Dari, Greg, Will, Veronica, D, Lynn, Sinia, Jakob, Bobby Blackcat, Jensina, Mayo Cat, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, and Jay. Uh, thank you, of course, to TJ for being here today uh, and for guiding us through this fucked up and horny world. Um, if you'd like to support the show, you can donate to us on Patreon for some various fun rewards. You can subscribe or follow us on Goodreads, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. 
can share the show, tell some people about it, and you can also rate and review us on a platform of your choice, such as Podbean, Podchaser, or iTunes. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Goodreads, or you can send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. Uh, I am done with today. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, are, we, are we good? I think we're yeah, good. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, did we want to say what the next episode is before we go? Um, let's save it a surprise. I think it'll okay. be very unique and fun. It will be. All right, folks. Uh, thanks a lot for being here. We will see you in two weeks. Thanks, TJ. And we're going to banish TJ back to the Midlands. <laughs> yes. I, I, I hope I never return. <laughs> you don't want, you don't want to read any more of these. <laughs> no, we don't. All right. Bye, Paris. Bye, TJ. All right. Bye. Bye.